water. The doctor isn't going to last 24 hours. None of us are, Ian. Our fate rests with Tagana. Here's water, Marco Polo. Come for it. today's episode oh my god this guy doesn't stop moaning he was just <laughs> absolutely over him it was really and i was like yeah i'm completely with you marco yeah, i would not want him in my fucking caravan either wow i think the only feeling he actually gives back is that i think ping cho and susan can have sleepovers again <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a bacon sign. <laughs> yeah, how's the coffee at Cooper Card's Cafe? <laughs> it's like terrible, but you can get a mean almond croissant. Hello and welcome back to World Enough and Time, the podcast which unites Andy and Alex despite the world that exists between them. Hello, Alex. Hello, Andy. How are you? I'm very good. Do you know what? What? We're 50! Oh my God, oh my God. I thought I was feeling a little bit more wrinkly, a little bit more struggly in my day. So this must be it. This is, yeah, wow, we, we've achieved. No, we're just more golden. This is our jubilee. Jubilee, oh, okay. jubilee. That yes. must have been why the people were in the streets earlier. Yeah, parades. Buffet tables, yes. Flags. It. it looked a bit yeah. Brexity at this end of things. Oh no, here, it was all just, uh, yeah. All very silver ferny, don't panic. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, to celebrate our 50th, um, I've had a bit of a look back, you've had a bit of a think about our previous <laughs> episodes. You, you mean no research was done? <laughs> I sat there for two minutes and thought, oh, there's some things I remember. <laughs> Whereas you trawled back over the archives for, the, for the, a matter of hours. I apologise, yes, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. So anyway, um, to see what bits we enjoyed the most. So I kind of had categories, but this is the World Enough and Time podcast. We're not going to stick to this for a moment. But one of them is what is our favourite episode that we've recorded? One of them what was the funniest? What was the funniest thing? Or what was your favourite moment? Gosh. So the list, the listeners might have them. The listeners might have them. Hello, listeners. We love you. Yes. Actually, that would be a really good section when people actually contest and say, my favourite thing was. Imagine how much we'd love that. Well, we've got, one of, we've got one of those coming up. Oh, my God. Actually, someone's favourite th- thing was one of your quizzes. <laughs> and they actually got their <gasps> examples. So it's like... <laughs> People listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it was 
it's gonna be the house, the um, the mouse of games or something, isn't it? It's gonna be that really confusing one. Yes. <laughs> Actually, should we listen to Hannah now, who's gonna talk to us about her favourite? That would be lovely. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Hi, Andy. This is Hannah Eight B from Twitter. Happy fiftieth episode. There's so much I love about the show, but one of my favourite moments is the game Alex created, where one letter is changed in the episode title. Still laugh every time I think about the chafe and the jive doctors. <laughs> you have a phenomenal knowledge of classic Doctor Who, and your sibling banter and passion for the show are second to none. Thank you for all the joy you've brought me, and keep being your very, very silly and wonderful selves. Oh my goodness, that was just so adorable! <laughs> it wasn't it? I'm, I'm tearing up here, I can't <laughs> deal. <laughs> It's part of someone's thing that makes them happy every day. That's just so cool. <laughs> oh, I love Hannah. Oh, that was just the best message ever. Oh, I wasn't it? it? Oh, no, yes. I can't quite believe it. It's so nice. Oh. Um, I've got some more messages. Oh, that's um, so cool. This one's from Neil Allen. Happy 50th. It took me 20 odd episodes to realise Louise Jameson wasn't really living in your granny flat. (laughs) 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 Or that the space-time visualiser wasn't a real prop you actually wheeled in every episode. (laughs) Oh, we're so good at keeping the illusion, aren't we? Aren't we? (laughs) And the Kaliak wasn't your pet raven. Thank you for making such wonderful podcasts. heard from Paul who just wrote happy 50th exclamation yes! mark. that was enough thank you Paul it is that's recognition that we exist so thank you yes we feel ex- ex- extant now Andrew and Lisa from around the archives a very happy 50th to you you are of course always a wonderful listen and doing fine work in the Doctor Who podcast universe we think it's fair to say you're always dressed for success all the best from Lisa and Andrew oh, oh, they very... are good supporters yeah. of us for a long time so let's talk about what we have enjoyed so yes. Alex I'm going to go to your first of three things okay so um I guess and and I do I probably have talked about it too much but I still do enjoy it a great deal is just how much Hannah Gordon straddling a lead had just permeated my psyche. It just, it was too good. It was just too visual. And the fact that you can actually see it, there was, there was supporting evidence for this. And yeah, I just, I love it. I love, I love all of Hannah Gordon's willingness to just jump right on top. Just to explain this to anyone who doesn't know, the episode The Highlanders, episode 30, I know it is because I was looking at, listening to some of it yesterday. Um, that was... That was when we were looking at a telesnap, and one of the telesnaps, John Cura's telesnaps, looks like Hannah Gordon is straddling the lead in episode one in a, in a, an avert way, shall we say? Yeah, she was going for it. She was, yeah, <laughs> she was hiding nothing. Perhaps yeah. it might be the most unfortunate telesnap of them all. Go, go, <laughs> go, check it out. <laughs> it was, we did, you put it on Twitter at some point, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I also yeah. wrote it down on my notes here saying straddling a lad <laughs> underlined. So I had written nice. it down. 
Nice. But it wasn't one of your top three. No, it wasn't. No. Um, can I tell you some of the other things that weren't in my top three but had worthy mentions? Yes. One of them was Bananimations. <laughs> <laughs> I did really enjoy that when I went back to them. I really enjoyed that so much. That was serious from the deep, wasn't it? And the faceless so ones as well. The idea oh. of replacing all of, all of the cartoon characters with bananas instead <laughs> of yeah. calling them Bananimations. <laughs> That's not silly. That's, that's oh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Another, another um, was when we were doing all the Geordie accents in Mark of the Rani. That made me laugh. Um, oh, I don't imagine a, I was a, doing very good ones. Ordering a, to- yeah, ordering a Torby. <laughs> <laughs> and then a very you moment, which was when you were um, ordering a bottle of a bottle. <laughs> you texted <laughs> Iona. <laughs> you texted Iona saying, can I have a bottle of a bottle? <laughs> Yes, that's how much I'm into this, but I also do need the wine. Or the how, did she, how did she respond to that one? She came through and said, I need more information. <laughs> yeah, I think she came through with a bottle of water and a bottle of wine. It's like, which one do you need? Yeah. But my funniest thing that happened was I was so fed up of the Caliac, so fed up of the Caliac. That's our, our raven that came in with news, uh, news in inverted commas. And... I got to the point where I couldn't think of anything to say whenever the Kaliak arrived. This was just before we got rid of her. And, um... Oh, wait! Here she is! She's here for our 50th! It's the Kaliak! <laughs> here she is! How have you been? Oh, good! What the fuck is in her fucking beak? <laughs> I'm unfurling the scroll in time-honoured fashion. Oh, this is this has got the anecdote on it, okay? So, essentially, so it's all written down in detail. I don't know who's written this up for the Kaliak, but very grateful. Oh, she's just telling me. She's just squawking me to say this is a um, one-off because her appearance fee is too high to come back regularly now because she's got lots of other wings in in pies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was when I was so desperately trying to come up with something and... I came up with this fact. I looked up a fact. I went so I was so desperate. I looked up a fact on the inter, on the internet, and it was, if you bang a, your head against a wall, you'll burn 150 calories. And it was. Is that when de- you knew that you'd gone too far? <laughs> well, you did. You just like burst out laughing, and we're like, "This is just too insane that you actually <laughs> to actually find something. This is just not right." Um, but it's one of those things to describe it doesn't make sense. So I'm going to play it in now. I'm unfurling said scroll. Oh, God, you haven't even announced her. Hi, Kaliak, how are you? Hello, Kaliak, how are you? We love you. (laughs) You turn up, we get something out of your mouth. Actually, we should tell, for people not listening to this before, they'd be like, what, what, what's happening? I know, you're too furious to even explain. Yeah, I should explain, I'm furious because this creature turns up. Um, and it was an element that was quite fun at first, but now yeah. not so much. <laughs> she just steals your rich tea biscuits and then goes, doesn't she? The and bitch. my Twix. And my Twix. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, the scroll. Oh, it's a fun fact today. Fun fact. Yes. Love it. Good. If you bang, if you bang your head against a wall for ten minutes, you you burn one hundred and fifty calories. <gasps> <laughs> Oh my god! I'm sorry. I'm really struggling now. 
Right, I've got another favourite. Yes. And this is more on the sensible side, don't you know? I'm not yeah, I'm sorry, I apologise. I, I wasn't thinking. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed our assessment and review of the sense rights and oh. digging into the whole power and control stuff and like coercive control and the really um, the dodgy relationship between the Doctor and Susan, which I think has just, it, it, to me, it's helped me um, understand a bit more about how angry I get with William Hartnell and I think it's just it kind of it just thinking that bit further on that one really opened the door for me and how much his behavior in that relationship upsets me and so yeah I'm really glad that that episode happened to really kind of push us deeper into um understanding a bit more about what's going on in Doctor Who and yeah I really loved it oh gosh well, I, I guess this relates to my one of my favourite episodes was Seeds of Death when we got into real detail about Transmat and how it just doesn't work. Oh my god, that's my number one! <laughs> oh, <no>. Okay, sorry! <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! That is my number one favourite! Right. Talk more about that's that. That's so then. good. We can share it. You carry on then. No, you go for it because I've got two others. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no, but that, my, yeah, that, I think it was just. That concept of trying to keep shoving watermelons inside a transfer. It was just, the, the logistics of it was just too hilarious. And I just, I, I, I go back to that thought all the time of just someone think, cramming it in and closing the door really quickly like I do with the breakfast cupboard cereal. <laughs> and I think about it as well about how everyone would have been fat in that era, that you know, in that world, because they wouldn't have moved because everyone would just be transmatting. And the, the transport and logistics, everything would just fall apart. And it was just like... We really thought about that massively. Yeah. Yeah, but no. But then they wouldn't be fat even, though, if they were in... If the only transmats were those central ones where you get the food from the central oh, place. But, but there's transmat everywhere, isn't there? Or not? I don't even know. I don't <laughs> think so. I don't understand. There's only in Canberra. The whole of Australia has to go to Canberra to get their watermelon. <laughs> well, my, my nearest one is Izmir. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, other episodes I really enjoyed were the Myth Makers, just because I really enjoyed like breathing life into it and playing those clips that people don't listen to the um, missing episodes mm. enough. And I just loved how how funny that one came across, not from us, more from the script and putting that out there in the acting. And I thought, yes. loved that one. Yeah, that's true. But of course, my favourite episode that we recorded though is the Reign of Terror because we basically sat on the beach. Uh, to Papa Kanga, and yes. we had champagne, and we just sat there and drank champagne while the beach, we're on a beach and the waves were rolling in, and it was just so nice. It was, was a... it was lovely. We will repeat it soon. Hello and welcome to World Muffin Time. I'm Andy. And I'm Alex. Now then, describe to the listeners our current location. Well, it's dreary. I can tell you that. <laughs> Misery to the extreme. No, we are on a beautiful beach with aqua sea <laughs> <laughs> and glorious blue skies. No, it really is. I'm it not is lying. It's really lovely. To Papakanga. Correct. You went a bit aggressive on the G, but I'll forgive you. <laughs> to Papakanga. In, uh, yeah, just off the Hanua Ranges in the Auckland region. It's a lesser known area of Auckland. Very beautiful. Yeah. 
And I'd say my favourite was Seeds of Death to record. Not, well, not to record, actually, to listen to afterwards, because I just found, like, we knew it so well, but loved it so much as well. Like, there was just so much love from us for Seeds of Death, I think. We got so much pleasure from not necessarily pulling it apart, but just kind of, just going in at great detail, but still loving the the essence of the story. I think it was, yeah, a really good one. I think it's about time, though, that we actually started digging into the massive problem with T-Max. Can we just talk about that? Um, well, getting a lot of food into a tiny box. <laughs> yes, getting a lot of food into a tiny cubicle. I can only assume there are large T-Max cubicles somewhere, like warehouse-sized ones. I have ones. to hope so. And I just wish there was a scene where, like, someone was aggressively throwing fruit into a cubicle and <laughs> ramming the door in. It would just be so much more appealing. Send it. All the, mel- all the melons it. are in. Send it. Send it. <laughs> but also, yes, no, that... I'm just worried about the infrastructure in the society. I'm sorry. I'm very worried about it. I'm worried about the decline of the transport industry or the death of the transport industry. Do the melons... Oh, yes! Do the melons ever get sorry. sent around by truck anywhere? Or, or does anyone leave their house... Is everyone fat and obese because they can just team at everywhere? Or can people not team at? I'm, I've got lots of questions. Can. I've got lots of questions. Okay, okay, there's a bit at the end, which is not... I think we're allowed to jump there because it's not about the plot. Let's get um, to the end. Where they talk about a car. Yes. There's like, oh, I've found an old petrol yes. car. So, so, what, so what are you doing all the rest of the time? Exactly. Why are you travelling? So I what think I think there's a real problem. I think that means exactly that that's just solved it. Well done. That means there is a massive problem here, and everyone should be fat because no one's leaving their house. There's no society anymore because they're not meeting each other, and there's no way of distributing the food. Are people just perhaps walking down the road to get their food from the TMAT distribution centres? What's happening? Maybe. They have to go to the shops. But you still not- go, but you wouldn't get them from a distribution centre because you still have to buy them. So you'd have to go to a supermarket. Well, Are they like the wholesalers? You'd go... Yeah, they're just the logistics, aren't they? Yes. They're not the actual... Yes. Yes. So you'd have to go to, um, I don't know, to whatever department store is still working then, some sort of Tesco, Walmart crossover. And... Yeah. <laughs> but you'd still want to go there by car, wouldn't you? But apparently not, not, because there's no cars. No. So do you team up to your local Tesco? I... I don't think so. Because TMAT stopped working, I think. I think if it stops working at the moon, it stops working everywhere. Right. I think. No, but what were people doing, regardless of whether when it's not working? Were people just TMATing to Tesco's? Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Thank you, Jean. <laughs> but my absolute number one moment, there's no question at all, and if it was the only moment that existed from our podcast that was ever saved for posterity, it's... The Stones of Blood, when we were talking about the possibility because of the sound of dogging happening because of the vans leaving the, leaving the stone circle. And I, I laughed so hard that I moved about on my chair so hard in that, I, that I broke that I, No, I broke the chair. I broke your chair. One of my favourite scenes is when the druids have the doctor and then Amelia turns up. I know I'm skipping forward. And, she, and she's on a bike. And when the druids leave, they all get off in their cars or on their motorbikes to yes. leave. You can hear the cars. You can hear the yes. cars, and they're just normal people who yes. are obviously bored and in really sad middle-class lives. Might be okay to kill a yeah. man. Yes. It's interesting. It is. I like that. It just 
makes you think of dogging slightly. Have <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> you just broken a chair? <laughs> Dogging. <laughs> Were you not thinking of dogging? Yeah, <laughs> oh. You're never invited oh, back. Don't give him another. No, one don't give me another same. one of the same sort. <laughs> he can't be trusted with those chairs. <laughs> it's all your fault for mentioning dogging. <laughs> and I think just behind me, if you have a look, is one of those chairs that you broke. <laughs> really? It's the only Hello. one that still exists. <laughs> Honestly. So funny. But it was even funnier because the scenario was so weird because you were dressed as Barbara at the time. <laughs> I was. You cosplayed as Barbara from... It's really good. <laughs> For no it? good fucking reason. No. <laughs> so that was our little trip into yesteryear and some of the things we really enjoyed. But really, it's just the fact that this has brought me loads of time with you and that's the best thing ever. Yeah, fun time though. Not time to oh, I know. the weather. And talking about, oh, uh, I was anti-person I don't care about. It's actually yeah. fun time. Talking I about know. things we enjoy. So, no, Sweetie. very good idea. Thank you. Well yes. done. Okay. Now then. I feel like mm. Hannah has already contributed massively to this episode. Hannah yeah. B. blogs on Twitter. But she's contributed further. She has come up with the title of this quiz, and I've run with it. So nice. quiz... The quiz that she title she came up with was Courtney or Courtney, as oh. in Nic- Nicholas, Nicholas Courtney or Nicholas Courtney. Oh, that's great! Isn't it good? That is good. <laughs> oh, well done, Hannah. Gosh, she needs a, a guest spot with that kind of knowledge. She's brilliant. Shot for the wings there. Five rounds rapid. You have to say each time Courtney or Courtney. So, is this a real Nicholas Courtney fact or is it a Courtney? Number one Nicholas Courtney was born in El Salvador Well that sounds very likely He'll be born somewhere Somewhere (laughs) in the It'll be like no it isn't El Salvador It's fucking Ecuador or something like that Um, I'm going to say Courtney Courtney, no, it's Courtney. He was born in you Egypt. Bastard. Oh, you little <laughs> fucker. You knew that, you big turding McTurd face. <coughs> Number two. Nicholas Courtney was the son of a British diplomat. Courtney. Correct. Yes. Fact three. Nicholas Courtney has a prominent ancestor from New Zealand. Prominent ancestor. We've only got two. It's like... Captain Cook and is there anyone else? Catherine Shepherd maybe. No. <laughs> um, Courtney. No, it's a Courtney. Oh, you little bastard! It's a politician. Who is called, it? A politician called John Cuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to ask everyone at work if they've heard of John Cuff tomorrow, and I'll tell you how fucking well known John fucking Cuff is. I was wondering if you get any more F's in that sentence. <laughs> nah. Um, he represented four. the Akaroa electorate in the second New Zealand party. What the fucking hell? Prominent. My arse. In 1772. 
<laughs> People are always talking about John Cuff. Isn't there a John Cuff, John Cuff Day in New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, where yeah. you where you all wear larger cuffs. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and just to make sure that people understand the connection with Nicholas Courtney, everyone wears a moustache as well. And an and yeah, an eye honestly, patch. <laughs> you'd love it. You'd, really, you'd have so much fun on John, John Cuff Day. In fact, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be there in time for John Cuff Day, aren't I? That's good. Um, in his real-life army career, Nicholas Courtney only got as far as the rank of private. Oh. <laughs> He definitely didn't get very high if he's in the army at all, but there wasn't even a question, was he in the army at all? So I'll say Courtney again. Yes, Courtney. He was only a private. Private Courtney. Private Courtney! Tree paint. (laughs) Tree um, cutting thing at the double. I really struggle with (laughs) (laughs) Private Courtney, tree cutting. I can't think of something. I want to say it again. I can't think of anything. <laughs> Something at the double, Private Courtney, quickly! Private Courtney, you're not listening, I'm going to slap yes, you. Lay on a jeep on the double. <laughs> lay, lay on a jeep. Lay on a, yeah. I've now got this picture in my head of Nicholas Courtney laying on a jeep coquettishly, just in his underwear. Yeah. Lay on a jeep, Private Courtney. Yeah. It's, it's a not beautiful a, image. It's not a beautiful image. Oh, next one. Number five. Nicholas Courtney appeared in the Avengers. Oh. See, he looks like he would have done, but I think I would have known. But maybe he did, and maybe it was like one of the early ones with that dude who I hated. Maybe I just come up with this just because I know you love the Avengers and it's just a deliberate trap. Stop being a bitch. <laughs> um, Courtney. No, he did appear in the Avengers. You Got you. <laughs> You're not doing very well. I never do because I don't know how much you play with my brain. Okay, the next one. Nicholas Courtney was considered for the role of Marco Polo. Well, being as the guy that they got for Marco Polo felt like he was like a proper big actor at the time. And Nicholas Courtney wouldn't have been that big then. I'm going to go Courtney. No, I'm afraid he was one of the main people in contention for the part. Hate you. Hate you all. I think some of this hate... hate I think some of this hate should be directed at Hannah, saying if she came up with the night title for the quiz. Just saying. Yeah. Bitch, Hannah. (laughs) Christ. (laughs) Wow. Um, Number seven. Nicholas Courtney was first cast as Captain Knight in The Web of Fear, not Colonel Lethbridge-Stewart. Cork. 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 (laughs) I hate this fucking game already. Um, Courtney. Yes, correct. Yes. Originally, Mordren and Dead featured Ian, not the Brigadier. Courtney, and I can say that with some kind of knowledge. Yes, that correct. fucking happened because he's a teacher. And let's be sure it isn't. That was weird. It was very weird. Um, penultimate question. I'm looking forward to my last question. It feels like it is really your oeuvre, the last question. <laughs> but question nine. Nicholas Courtney appeared opposite Jean Marsh in both his first and last Doctor Who stories. <gasps> yes, as Brett Vion and as Thingy and Thingy. And yes, I'm going to go, fuck yeah. Fuck it's a good, yeah. Fa- good fact, that one, isn't Thank it? you. Wasn't I it? Like. Hadn't thought about that. Nice. Yeah. Is there a line of cordial in this, my love? 
You're very good. Um, Finally. Winning. Question 10, the most important question of all. I think this will take you... Oh, it definitely... You've already got five, I think. So you're already... I have. You've already I'm passed. <laughs> you've passed. Um, That's GCSE Courtney Courtney. <laughs> you get to do your highest certificate in Courtney Courtney later on. <laughs> Final question. Nicholas Courtney had a regular role in the sitcom The Upper Hand. Oh, gosh. He can't have done. I'm sure I've watched that shit. Wouldn't I have known? I don't know, would you? Oh, stop. Honor Blackman wouldn't know. She wouldn't have put up with Nicholas Courtney's malarkey. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Courtney's malarkey. <laughs> Courtney! Mm, is that right? I don't know. That's what I'm going to ask you. Correct, it's Courtney. He was a regular in the sitcom French Fields, though, apparently. Ah! <laughs> the sequel oh to God, Fresh watch, Fields. <laughs> watching, watching The Upper Hand has actually has helped me in my life at some point. I never thought there'd be a point where that came back to be useful. <laughs> Brilliant. Good. Six, then! Fuck yeah! That's pretty good. Was that Fresh Fields or French Fields? It was the French Fields, that was the it second was French one, Fields, it was it? the sequel with Pamela Salem as yeah. well as another regular, yes. Yes. Ugh. So that was the quiz. Wasn't it though? Yes! Six out of ten winning! So, we have something interesting to do now. We have to find out... Who got points last time's time-space visualizer? As we pull out the time-space visualizer, we wheel it out into the centre of the room. What is this machine? I've already told you, my dear. It's a time-space visualizer. You mean a sort of time television? Yes, like that. Yes, that's exactly what this is. Did anyone get any points? What? Now, How did do you, you get points? I'm very confused. Did you not listen to the Armageddon Factor episode? Oh my God, is it already out? Yes. Oh, <laughs> you were so quick. I rely on a text from you to tell me it's out. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't look for these things. So, listeners to the show, which apparently doesn't include you. <laughs> <laughs> Today, no. For the first time. <laughs> it's only been out, my own voice. It's only been about, <laughs> out for about three or four days, so you're forgiven. Okay. Um, listeners of the show will know that one of us got a whiff of points. Now, the rules are here, as of last time. You get ten points if you describe the scene exactly. You get five oh. points if you get the characters who are in the scene, or at least one of nice. them. Nice. And you get one point if there's a vague whiff of what the person said is going on. So, nice. It's the greatest show in the galaxy. It was, I don't remember what episode it was, but the scene... I guessed a bit of... Yes, Jessica Martin's bottom, yes. In fact, it was just Ace talking to a character called Bellboy, and Bellboy was talking about how the psychic circus used to be. (laughs) Fucking Bellboy. Shut up with your depression in the desert. I don't even care. We didn't get points. We didn't get any Mm. points. But the next one was the chase. In survival... I was, no, it was it the chase. No? It was the chase. Oh, the chase? No, the survival was a long time ago. It was. Did I get points a long time ago? The, point, oh, the, the points rule has only recently been instituted. Okay. Let's be quite clear about this. Regulatory okay. body. I'll just get oh, okay. <laughs> um, you said Ian and Barbara were bickering. I mm-hmm. said that Daleks and Mechanoids were fighting. 
and firing mm. lasers at each other and stuff. You sounded confident though, so I'm feeling like you could have been quite close there. I was close, but it was actually you who got a whiff of points and giving you one <gasps> point. Because Who was bickering? Barbara and Ian were struggling with a rope and Vicky was being lowered down and she was screaming. It all sounded like they were having sex, quite honestly. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> it was all like that. And then amidst all of that, Stephen said, I've got to get my mascot, the hi- hi-fi mascot, the panda, and he runs back to get his mascot. It's when the city's wow. burning and they're being lowered down. But Barbara and Ian are definitely, definitely slightly fraught with each other. So you get a whiff of, a, you get one point. Nice. So, Wellington's Wellington. So the, the moral is be vague and you'll get points. <laughs> I like it. I've got so, my master plan sorted. So on the time space visualizer scoreboard, Alex has one, I have zero. Yes. Uh, just to remember that last. running score. Right now, I can't believe I have to touch my phone again because I don't want to touch any of the setup. I'm so surrounded. Now we have to find out what what story is going to be in the time space visualizer today. Yeah, we do. Through the round window. So who's going to go first? Me. Okay. It's, it's a four episode. I'm going to choose episode one. Nice. Um... Now Mi- what happens? Minute 10. Okay. When do I tell you what the story is? About now would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to guess it? No, that's not how we play this game. <laughs> it is The Nightmare of Eden. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I think what's happening... No, do you want to go mm. first? Where shall I? Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think the Doctor and Romana are talking to that guy, the the one who's German, can't remember his name, about CET machine. So that's what's happening. Yeah. I feel like you might be onto something. <laughs> um, I think the captain guy is shouting at someone. Captain Rig. Okay. Yeah. Good. If he's just talking, I feel like I should still get points. You should? <laughs> yes. Okay. So. If there's brusqueness in his voice, it should be two points. Roll VT, as they say. <laughs> Roll VT. The suspense. VT. I know. I'm going to find this out in like six weeks' time. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to think about the listener. It's not all about you. God. Oh my God. But the listener doesn't find out for six weeks' time either. Oh, no, they do. They do. They find it instantly. They find it instantly. Yes. Only we have to wait. I now understand the mechanics. (laughs) 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 Wow. God, like, the whole world of podcasting is, like, magical. Aren't they lucky? I know. They don't have to go through this pain. Honestly, you'd not believe the sleepless nights I had thinking about the greatest show lady's <coughs> bottom. <laughs> Your pain, my pain. I get to this point of editing the editing the episode, and I'm like, shit, I have to go to the shelves inside the house and get that because I'm always I'm always editing outside, by the way. But I always have to oh, go really? in and pick up the DVD, put it in, oh, and like find the right bit. And I'm like, oh no! So I'm wow. always cursing this play, this point of the show when I get to it. Your commitment is really commendable. Thank you. We love that. I was fishing. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Not really. Um, it gives me joy. So. That 
is my CET machine, the Continuous Event Transmuter. It is an invention of mine. I will show you. Looks as if you've invented the cinematograph. <laughs> what you see may seem to be just a, a, a mere projection, but it is, in fact, a matter transmutation. You have six episodes to choose from, madam. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. I would like to go for the fourth episode. And how many minutes, please? Thank you, please, Taxnella. Twenty. Ooh, minute 20. Right. I know. I think you've got a good chance of getting this one, given that things repeatedly happen in this story. The story is Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Ah. Oh, shit. <laughs> What's happening by that point? Okay. Ah. A dinosaur. <laughs> I want more specific than that. <laughs> no, actually, no, you can keep a dinosaur. I'll say which dinosaur it is, and then I'll get more. <laughs> Good. At dinosaur. At dinosaur. Roaring. <laughs> dinosaur. Roaring. <laughs> there we go. Done. What I love about the dinosaurs in the Invasion of the Dinosaurs is they actually don't roar. They say roar. This is something that Brian <laughs> pointed out to me. They actually say roar. <laughs> So good. But he calls them he calls it invasion of the rubber toys he always has. So Yes, yeah, yeah, remember. Yeah, but yes. And I did a pretty impressive picture of Invasion of the Dinosaurs, which I still love very much. Think didn't you do um you remember that one? I did a I we did a pictionary of Invasion of the Dinosaurs and I think you turned it into a t shirt for me. Did I? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was some Oh, it was something to do with Sarah Jane and some chains and a dinosaur oh, through a breathing thing. <gasps> and um and yeah, you 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 <laughs> did a bit you did a t shirt of it for me because it was so fucking good. Well, I might like just to say that I think that actually might be the moment. I think it's when the dinosaur's wake working next to Sarah Jane and I think you've just <gasps> delivered me the answer. So there you go. Wow, if I did then I get points and you have to buy me a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Already did that, apparently. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so we'll, we'll play the clip now. Wow. If that's the moment, that would be freaky. I don't think it is. I think it might be episode three, actually. Anyway, Fine. doesn't matter. Okay. Apart from your story, Doctor, which, forgive me, is pretty unbelievable, there isn't a shred of evidence to suggest that this place exists. Now, you heard the minister yourself. It was never built. Grover was covering up because he's implicated himself. And what possible reason could the minister have for being involved in the apparition of these monsters? The monsters are a side issue, Brigadier. A device to clear central London. Now then, I don't know what to do. It's gone too far. So... <laughs> Lala is now inviting all her artist friends out. They're all wearing bohemian clothes. Oh, for fuck's sake. You can't, see, you can't see the lawn for straw hats. If I look down from my bedroom <laughs> window, there's just rows, there's yeah, rows yeah, of broad brim straw hats with scars tied to them. Wow. Um, Does she let you borrow, it, borrow any? I don't want to, thank you, please. No. Okay. okay. But even, okay. even Lou's fed up of the fact that Lala and her entourage have arrived, so she keeps flicking her secret dirty looks. Anyway, I've said they can stay if they weed the gravel beside the lawn. So that's the latest. Okay. That's the latest ultimatum. And are they 
Are they on their knees? They're, they're down there now. They're down there now weeding. Good. But <laughs> have you given them the but, little knee pads? To... They have, but their, hat, their hats keep hitting each other. Little straw hats. <laughs> <laughs> this real sound of, of buffeting of straw hats hitting each other. Just constantly. It sounds like um, birds' wings flapping. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, feeling it. <laughs> we are so adept at describing things that aren't actually happening. <laughs> I'm fairly sure that should be on my LinkedIn profile. Anyway. <laughs> Good. No, we've all got images of it now. Oh, yeah. You can sense it. You can feel it. We can. Good. That's our gift. Right. I think it's time. You don't want to know what I've been watching on fucking TV? Bastard. <laughs> you bastard. I think we've covered enough. If we don't get on to Marco Polo soon. Feud. 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 Okay. Good. Okay. Before we go into our story <laughs> de jour. What have you been watching on TV? I've been watching Feud that you told me to watch a while ago. I'm enjoying it. Thank you very oh, much. Oh, which one? The, um, Betty Davis and oh, Joan Crawford. So good, isn't it? I know. Oh, yes. I'm it very much. And now I need to watch Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. And I'm finding all that about Mummy Dearest and all of the awful things. Betty Davis treating her kids, Joan Crawford treating yes. her kids. They're all, all horrible people. All of the people. above. Yes. Exciting. Good. Yes, I'm pleased about that. Um, and how's about you? Um, I have been watching The Ginger Tree. And I don't know when this is going to go out in relation to The Ginger Tree. Oh, I think... The Ginger Tree will come out in November on UK TV Drama Pod. Quick plug. I remember there's a rule I wasn't allowed to talk about what I was watching for TV Drama Pod, which I've just broken. I suggested The Ginger Tree, and I've watched it recently, four hour-long episodes, and I recommended it, and Martin was kind of... Probably he's going to say to, this week when I record with him that it was just too bonnety and too corsety, and he doesn't like it. And it really mm-hmm. it really was, and I didn't like it. Oh. But it was oh. the problem was it was all about <coughs> a woman who goes to Japan um, because this this Japanese guy knocks her up and basically he sends for her and she she becomes his concubine in Japan through no through no choice and he came mm. as a kept woman and she has got no freedom ultimately she becomes a sort of a dress designer in Japan which seems unlikely <laughs> but it's, it's quite funny but this kind of that feels like an acorn antiques episode <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and also, sexual slavery she found out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Designing dresses. Pick that up oh, next beautiful. Pick that up next week? No. No. <laughs> but, um, but in the last episode, then the rise of Japanese nationalism, and then she has to leave. Rather than being interned, he actually helps her get on a boat. But he's meant to be this romantic love interest and all nice and lovely, but in fact he's just a, an absolute evil bastard. And I remember watching it in 1989 and thinking, oh, this is quite romantic and I'm quite liking it. Now, I was furious. <laughs> I was so angry. You've moved on quite a bit, thankfully. Wow. Yes. It is amazing what you would used to see as romantic. I know. It's, yeah. yeah. Treatment of women really was like, oh, they should just be so grateful that he even looked at her. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So yeah, he steals no, her is. baby from her and, pla- and places her with another family. And this is like 30 years on, she's still been looking for him all these years, and he turns up at her house saying, oh, Jess, can we still have sex? Can we still have a relationship? And she's kind of like, go on then. <laughs> it's like, no! No, it's just so wrong. Oh. She just keeps saying, I want my baby, and she's like, yeah, but I will go to bed with you. It's just really... That's so 
fuck's sake? It's really wrong. Oh, that's awful. Anyway, I'll Matthew talk Samantha about Bond. I'll talk about that in great detail on the, oh, on the yes. TV drama pod. But that's kind of my a little preview of how I feel about that. <laughs> Good. Anyway, I think we've done all our segments. I well think we done. have all of the segments. Good. So no, apart from the main one, <laughs> let's be honest. We can't just finish up here. It's time for our story du jour. What are we watching this time, Alex? We're watching Marco Polo! Marco. Polo. Ah, <laughs> yes! <laughs> I feel like we're in a swing pool playing. Oh, no. You see? 50th, 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 50th episode. 50th, 50th. Wow! <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So, Good. I've got... A target cover to show you. Do you remember that target mm. cover for Marco Polo as I so live and breathe? So freaking well. What is weird yeah, about I that really cover, do. though? What is weird about that cover? Well, the thing I find weird about the cover is that the people do look a bit more Asian than they actually did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Apart from Marco. <laughs> yeah, I think it's weird. Um, I think. Oh no! I'll keep telling me what's weird about it. It's nothing okay. especially weird, but I just think it's odd. Um, the, the guy in the middle doesn't look like he was in it? Yes, exactly. He's just an extra. He's like the main person <laughs> in the middle there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's have the big Mongol person in the middle, but also let's not have the Doctor or any of his companions on the front cover. Very uh, weird. Yes. Which puts well, me, they weren't very useful. Which puts me in mind of the Radio Times cover for... Marco Polo back in the day. Do you know the story of the Radio Times cover? I don't. Well, consternation. Because it's the first time Doctor Who got a Radio Times cover. And Mm -hmm. the the cover picture they chose had Marco Polo, Tigana and the First Doctor. The companions were not chosen for the cover. Which, Which of the three actors was furious about this the most? Well, it should have been Susan because she actually has quite a part to play. But because she is always like, oh, I just love Bill. Bill's the best. Um, <laughs> she would have just been, that's fine. Um, it would have been fucking William Russell. He would have fucking hated it, wouldn't he? Yeah, he was furious. Letters yeah, had to be sent from his age. <laughs> he was really angry the first time. I suppose all that work, you've done like, had how many episodes of Doctor Who already? Like at least 12 and you've done all that effort trying to make it a good show, and then they bloody choose some other people for the Radio Times cover who are supporting characters. Yeah. Angry. Well, they're bigger in it than he is for that episode, though, hmm. or for that story. So hmm. deal with it. Anyway. Deal with it, fucking Bill. I have so many notes. This is terrifying me. This is the page. Oh of, no, this is the God. page of notes of general things to say about Marco Polo. Then there is the rest of it is actually by episode. So. Oh my fucking Christ, so that strap, is so overwhelming. So strap in. <laughs> I'll, I'll just bounce off your notes then, because Christ, my notes are, ooh, Ping Cho. <laughs> just like, nothing of value. Okay, good. Good. Now then, bit of background on Marco Polo. Yes. This is the first um, episodes that are missing from Doctor Who. At oh. this point, all there, this is story four. And how much... And of, what happened? What happened? 
Well, like everything else in season one and two, it was sold all the way around the world really successfully. Everyone wanted all of Doctor Who in its early days. So there were loads of copies made and sent around the world. It was shown in New Zealand, shown everywhere. And, and it's just one of the ones that was junked. And no good reason why. Perhaps because it was what? historical and they were more interested in the sci-fi ones by this point. They, they are the ones that really sold. But... But they kept the sensor rights and other things. Classic. They kept, they kept Edge of Destruction over this. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why? So, um, yeah, it's it, no one really knows why this one was junked. But there's still a hope because it was sold so far around the world so much that it could yes, come back. Yes, someone's going to find it somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the Omni rumour? Do you know about the Omni rumour or not? I don't know about the Omni rumour. Could you tell me about the Omni rumour? Yes. I think it was about 2014, 2015. And my source for the Omni rumour, I'm just going to say it out loud on the podcast, was Hayden Gribble from Diddly Dumb. Because we were doing a bit of poddy stuff at that point. And he kept feeding me this information. I don't know where he was getting it from. Um, But basically that there was loads of episodes returned. And they all seem to begin with M because I remember it was the it was Marco Polo, it was the massacre, it was something else, and it was just like, oh my god! And he was like, yeah, they're definitely all coming back. Definitely, there's no question. It's all happening, and <clears throat> yeah, so exciting times, but of course it didn't come back, and yes, so. So what's the word Omni? In it, relation it, it was to because this? so many stories were rumored to be returning. Ah. Uh. And it didn't happen. But we can remember two of them that began with M. Got it. Yes. Good. It's not a great rumour. They're coming back, they didn't. I know, but it went Shit. on for ages. We were so certain. Oh, it was painful. Oh. Anyway. Oh. So hopefully it will come back one day. Until it does, we, um, we have to cut with, with telly snaps. Yes, we listen, will. Listen to Mummy Silly Voice saying telly snaps. <laughs> kettle chips top button um <laughs> but the um yes the problem is telly snaps do you know what telly snaps are by the way and who did them do you know about the history of telly snaps or not i didn't feel like there's anything i needed to learn about telly snaps, but now <laughs> you're asking me this i feel like maybe i've missed a whole world of information on telly snaps there are pictures. <laughs> this really entrepreneurial guy called John Cura who actually just thought, if I take pictures of the TV and sell them back to the BBC, then I've got a, they've got a record of their stories. So he basically oh. took photos of the TV and sold them back to the BBC. It's just bizarre. Oh. But it was like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll buy them. It's like, well, can't someone do it in-house? It seems really wow. odd to me. Yes. I always thought, used to think he was there taking photos. No, he wasn't. He was literally just taking photos of the TV <laughs> every so minute. So they all come from this one dude? Yeah, yeah. But only when the directors of those stories said, oh, I do want to buy his telesnaps. And some directors would be like, no, I'm not doing this. This is a cheeky guy trying to get money off me. Um, oh. And that is why for episode four, which is directed by someone else, he, he, Dr. John Crockett, he said... Oh, no, I don't want them. That's why we've got no telly snaps for episode four. Oh, that was when I fell asleep. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's uh, all coming out. Nothing happened anyway. <laughs> I think you'll find the wall of lies happened. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Waris Hussein, also directed yeah. An Earthly Child. He. Yeah. He was episodes one to three and five to seven. And he said, yeah, I want your telly snaps, mate. There were seven episodes. 
Have you not watched this? No, I have. I definitely watched to the end. Fucking hell, did I watch seven episodes? It just felt like it went on forever. Wow, wow. seven. I think we've got a flavour of how Alex feels about Marco Polo. <laughs> it's really good. I can't wait for the synopsis. Shit, um, <laughs> oh yeah. Do you know anything about John Lucarotti? The one who wrote it? I know that he wrote it. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All the facts at her fingertips. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> he also wrote um, the Aztecs and oh, yeah. the Massacre. Yeah. He oh. also wrote an original script that became Ark- the Ark in Space years later. Oh, seems unlikely. Now I'm interested. <laughs> I know that piqued your interest, didn't it? Mm. Yes. If we're to assume that some great cataclysm struck Earth, what's happened to the human species, Harry? Some sort of survival kit, could it? You're improving, Harry. Sorry, I was distracted. There was a slight hard, a slight sound of straw hats buffeting each other in the <laughs> Do you need to check if they need some elderflower presso? I think there's a fight. Okay? Yeah, they will need some elderflower presso. And if Lala's anything to do with it, it'll be on a tray. <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be one of those dainty things that goes over the jug. You've you seen those things oh, that yeah. sort of like like a handkerchief that has weights on the end. Yes. With it. Yeah. 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 It's absolutely there, picturing the exact same thing. Yeah. She's so damn pretty. Anyway. <laughs> um, he wrote an 18-part radio series for Canadian Broadcasting Commission Corporation? CBC. CBC, sweetie. Yeah. Um, corporation. The Three Journeys of Marco Polo. So thank you, Lucky Stars. There were three journeys to Cathay in that radio series and it lasted 18 oh. episodes for, so for this was only wow. seven so did you do that before or after? no he did that before in 1955 um, and it ran for over a year <laughs> so he just wanted to reuse all of his research he was Essentially, like I know this shit it's because he worked well. he worked with Sidney Newman who was also from Canada well actually John Lucarotti was an Englishman who was in Canada but Sidney Newman was a Canadian because the Canadian invented Doctor Who the Canadians are very proud of that but Sidney Newman, when he was doing Doctor Who, said, oh, you should get John Lucarotti. I work with him in Canada. He should do some stories. So that's how that happened. Ah, oh, cute. Uh, yes. Well, I like that. You ended up giving us a, a slightly interesting fact there. Thank you. I wow. thought it was dull at first. You pulled it back. Great. Wow. But what I liked, what he said, he was interviewed at the time about the radio series, and he said, Radio is the unlimited medium for each li- for each listener brings his own imagination to bear, and that's what we have to do now oh. with Marco Polo because we haven't got the, we haven't got the video, sweetie. Back to his desired format. It's yes, almost like John exactly. Lucaruti, Lucaruti, Lucaruti. It's almost like John. Let's just call him John. It's almost like John knew. Wow. I could just see him. He's I'll like sat on a really high chair, and that, underneath this chair, it's just all of the copies of Marco Polo that he's just he's bought exactly. up. Exactly, exactly. That's what I mean. He's just got he I bought know. all the copies just to make his radio <laughs> maxim. Yes, work. but also to make his chair higher. It's quite cute. Is he only quite a short little, man, John Lucarotti? Lucarotti's <laughs> yeah. got little leg, little flapping leg, <laughs> tapping against the film cans. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Poor man. There's so many weird pictures we're creating here. Anyway. I know. Um, 
Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you before we get into the synopsis. How did you watch it? Yes. How did you watch this story? How did I watch this? So a very helpful wee flop it sent me the fact that it's uh the first one has a proper reconstructiony thing. Um, yeah, so I watched that first. Josh yeah. That's the word. That's it. Can we, can not we, banana. Can we just stop yes, for a minute just to appreciate Josh Nares? He did a really good documentary on Marco Polo on YouTube. But nice. after the animation of episode one by Josh Nares, what did you listen to it on? What then on? I thought, well, I could. I could be good and just look harder. I didn't look hard. I thought, well, I'm on YouTube. I'll just carry on. Um, and it had all of these colour yes. um, snaps. Yes. So that's what I watched. Yes. But I didn't realise for episode one, they'd actually got Mark Eden back to be, like, later Marco writing his story about what happened when he met the Doctor. It starts with Mark Eden, the one who played Marco Polo, like, later in life. Oh! I know! Really effortful. Oh, so that wasn't part of the thing? No. Oh! That's adorable. It was. Yes, well, that's the one I watched. Nice. Yeah, but we, I didn't, I made, you missed that because episode one, I made you watch the Josh Des animation. But episode, oh. one was, but episode one was really good because it was more moving-y, wasn't it? They were moving around. It was. I liked it. Yes. Yes. Strangest of all, was a time I encountered four travellers with their strange caravan. Yes. I remember now. Let me tell you of that, the strangest of all adventures. It all started 35 years ago in 1289 on the plain of Pamir. Yes, that's right. The plain of Pamir. The roof of the world. Anyway. Okay. Nice. I have a vague feeling that Warris Hussein, the original director, actually commissioned the colour version of that, but I don't know whether I heard that wrong or whether I'm right or wrong or wrong. Let's just say I'm wrong. Oh, fancy pants me. How did I listen Mm. to it? Do you want to know what I did? Oh, I'd love to know. Tell me, tell me, tell me. So I, li- I watched. You actually it. hired a troupe of travelling actors. <laughs> <to> <laughs> well, I've got Lala and Lou on tap, haven't I? <laughs> exactly. You got the whole garden just with a with a big kind of wooden pergola affair. There you <laughs> exactly. were. It was beautiful. Everyone had their elderflower pressing. Slightly distracting. Cheers. Bravo. Slightly bravo. distracting hearing all the straw hats hit each other because they would. Yeah, have them. They would have them in China, wouldn't they? In twelve years. <laughs> they would, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so was I right? I'm just going to play in Lou because we haven't had her yet. Here's Lou. <laughs> You're listening to World Enough and Time, a classic Doctor Who podcast. Um, I listened to four episodes on vinyl. Thank you, please. Oh, did you now? I did. Golly me. I I created word pictures because radio is an unlimited medium for each listener brings his own imagination to bear. So what happened when... That was John Luke, just... that was John Lucarotti again. <laughs> yeah, I know, I got it. I just was like, yeah, up your own arse. So what happened for the bits when nothing was happening and they were just basically wandering through the fucking desert and standing next to a caravan for hours? How was that on vinyl? Tell me. I'd love to know. I really feel jealous I just jealous felt right like now. I really just imagined what each character looked like, what they were doing. Um, 
No, I drifted off. <laughs> I'm quite honest. <laughs> so I watched. The episode, was it episode two? Was just basically standing by a caravan. No, I really think it was episode four. Was that more than anything else? Oh, no, that was the one I wasn't there for. No, I was, I was. I was there. So I, was I went there. back to the reconstructions for the last two episodes because they were in colour, the colour ones you watched in episodes <laughs> six and seven. And because really you thought, that vinyl was shit. I'm just doing it because I've got the vinyl. I need to mention it on the podcast. <laughs> this is rubbish. I want to use the word yes. gatefold at this point. I think it's a gatefold okay. LP. Do you know a gatefold? Oh, nice. Gatefold. I don't, I should. I'm doing the action in, for in gatefold. <laughs> Do you just mean it was a double? Gatefold sleeve. <laughs> nice. One in each. Gatefold. <laughs> <laughs> you should be an advertising or something. Gatefold. Gatefold. <laughs> nice. Oh, oh, Tim from the Missing Episodes podcast. Very good podcast. Mm. We should shout out to podcasts more, I feel. Anyway, he yeah. did a poll on Twitter some time ago. To see who, what did people, who, what, things. Let's start that sentence again. Or even when. He just said why and we all answered. No. Which is your most wanted missing Doctor Who story? Where do you think Marco Polo came in the list of missing Doctor Who stories? Mm, Twelfth. Fourth. Fourth? It was the first one after the Daleky ones, Master Plan, Evil and Power. Ooh. Yeah. I know, that's how I feel. I don't want Dalek ones. Weird. <laughs> People... People's obsession with Daleks is just strange, it isn't is. it? I don't get it because I just think, no. I mean, yeah, there's some of it I would like to see, but no, I would always have, before any of the Dalek ones, I'd have I'd have the Myth Makers up there, I'd have Marco Polo, yeah. I'd have Abominable it's Snowmen. Definitely. Abominable yeah. Snowmen. Oh, the Savages I really want to see. Honestly, all before the Daleky ones. <laughs> actually really want to see the savages i was just thinking the other day about ian and doing his interpretive dance stuff so have you ian, said you mean steven you don't even know who's <laughs> ian who's ian just i was seeing was he looked like up. ian yeah <laughs> yeah i know but yeah. you would want all of those back first i think it's a lack of yeah, imagination to want the dalek one sorry just like offended all of our audience yeah. <laughs> anyway all right listen listen andy i need to tell you we're an hour and a quarter in, <laughs> and I haven't done my synopsis yet. <laughs> this, this is, is going to be so painful. This is our three-hour <laughs> long anniversary special, sweetie. You can always have <laughs> a longer episode. We've seen our ratings go up and up, and then suddenly it's going to get to the 50th, and we're just going to fall off a cliff. Everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? So congratulations, bastards. Well, before we get to your synopsis, though. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah, let's get more in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kieran Hodgson from Two Doors Down. Or was it Three yes. Doors Down? I never remember. He did a two beautiful... Two Doors Down. He did a beautiful Marco Polo clip on Twitter two years ago now. Brilliant. He gave me permission. He said, yes, you can use it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've just talked to Kieran Hodgson on Twitter. Love him. And <gasps> Love so we're going to play in his Marco Polo clip now. One small fuse has blown and the entire TARDIS is completely broken again. And now it's been captured by Mongols in the Himalayas. Ah, rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. I refuse to say anything for half of this story. He is not a Mongol. He's European, thank goodness. Hello, old chap. Now, how about I explain the effect of altitude on the boiling point of water and you take us to the embassy? No, Lord Ian. I'm on a mission to take Tagana to Kublai Khan. Tegan? No, I'm not in it yet. Tagana? Lord Tagana, the trustworthy. 
I am very trustworthy. Silence, Sigana! Now, it's the bank holiday next week, and Kublai Khan needs a new caravan. Yours will do very well, Doctor. Did you know that moisture in your breath causes condensation? Silence! We're late for our tour of Cathay. Marco Polo's Cathay Adventure offers the complete travel experience. From Pamir, sample madness and dehydration in the Gobi Desert. Listen in on traditional local conspiracies at the Cave of 500 Eyes in Tun Huang, and visit very similar inns at Su Chao, Can Chao, Lan Chao, Cheng Ting, Shang Tu. I've repaired the fuse. Let's get out of this story. Only if I can attack the guard. I'm getting really good at it. We can't leave. Susan and Ping Cho are still looking at the koi pond. Each one of them costs as much as the edge of destruction. Shh, it's Tagana. Wait for first light on the second day. Then wait for three more days. Then return here where we will wait for two days. Then ride back to the camp. Wait for a signal on the second day and kill everyone with this stick. Marco, Tagana's conspiring against you uselessly. Silence! How dare you say such things about Tagana? He's a sweetheart. Kowtow for the great Kublai Khan. Would you like to place a backgammon with me, Herr Doctor? Who needs backgammon when you can have backstabbing? Tagana, you were evil after all. Did you know our word assassin comes from hashishi? Thank you, Kieran. We love you so you much. To listen to that now. Yes, I think you do. Um, he just does all the different characters, and it's very, very funny. Yeah, <laughs> I love his edge of destruction one. So yes, good it would be good. I think it's about time, um, Alex. If you can stop stalling, can we actually please get yeah. to your synopsis for <laughs> Marco Polo? <laughs> I must admit, make it quick. Make Never it have I wanted to stall more. <laughs> really? Oh, okay, right. Just, just stay with me. I'll need some prompting. I'm I here. might need to. He popped back awake. Um, okay, so we join the Doctor, Ian, Barbara, Susan, um, and they've landed somewhere a bit snowy. Um, and they keep showing you a foot. Look, oh, there's a foot. There's a foot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Big footprint. Okay, good. Don't worry, it'll be picked up later in the plot. <laughs> it, it won't. It, it won't. really won't. Um, I wrote this down last night. It was one thing that was bugging me. I actually wrote down the only thing I wrote down on this piece of paper. Up here it says, footprint, <laughs> question mark. Oh, where the hell did they go? Yeah, it, it felt like it was going to be the abominable snowman. It felt like that was the direction they were going. No, nope, they just thought, oh, footprints. Anyway, so, soon if enough. You're gonna do, if you're going to do every scene, I think this is going to take a long time. <laughs> Honestly, we'll we'll you will do what I remember. We'll be here for about two minutes, you'll be fine. Um so Tagana, he's a warlord chap. He comes along and he's like, You guys dodgy fuckers, you came out of a TARDIS, I don't trust you. Really, we should kill you. Marco Polo is like, no, nah, probably not. They seem alright. Let's just not let them into their caravan, they'll be fine. They're also about to die. Because, because the heating's gone to put. <laughs> I love that line. I really like the idea of the TARDIS having the heating go to... You know, it's gone to pop, that's it. Heating's gone to pop, lads. Anyway, so they needed um, they needed to be taken somewhere safe. Marco Polo's like, right, I like your, I like your caravan. I don't understand why it's a caravan, because it is just a box. 
I don't even understand why we think it flies, because it's just a box, but we believe you. Um, I'm going to keep it, but I'll take you somewhere. Don't panic. Well, you're a bastard, but it's our best option. <laughs> Fine. Um, Tagana, oh my God, guess what? He's not a nice guy. He has got his own little plan going on. He was going to Kublai Khan not to make peace. He was trying uh-huh. to carry on and win that fucking war. Die, Kublai Khan, die. That's what Tagana says. So they're all going in a little caravan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm watching. It's like I'm watching the trail now with your hands. I know. It's very good. Just imagine them being pulled by a Ford Anglia. It's lovely. So they're all in the Gobi Desert as you would for a very, very long time. Tigana's like, right, what's going to happen? I'm going to make it so that we've got no water in about 10 minutes. They'll go back. It'll be great. We'll mob them. They'll all die. Nah, Marco Polo's heard that story before. We'll carry on. We'll carry on, lad. Don't worry, there's such a thing as condensation. I'm not even going to go there now, but what the actual fuck was that about? So we're saved by basically what in New Zealand we'd call a leaky home. It was very dodgy. It really was not good construction that you'd have that much condensation inside your house. Anyway, that's what happened. They get, they basically, they wend their way to Peking. Takes a really long time. But I actually don't need to tell you what happens in between because not a lot does. Um, wow! <laughs> they go into a cave. Barbara gets taken, but then she gets pulled back within seconds, so it was a pointless plot device. Um, oh, but I tell you what really happens. Like, this is the story of Ping Cho and Susan befriending each other. Like, I've never, like, we were so right that they fully befriended. They were like friendy, friendy, friend McFriends. They were so happy to meet each other. It was like, it's a beautiful tale of friendship. Um, so. A lot of crap happens on the Gobi Gobi Desert. We didn't enjoy it. But we get to the other end. Kublai Khan is like, well, let's gamble. Or if I win, I'll keep the TARDIS. If you win, you keep the TARDIS. Or in Tagana, not really trusted you along the way. But we kind of did, kind of didn't. But then you'll get found out. The end. Honestly, my God. My God, that couldn't have taken seven episodes. How did that take seven episodes? <laughs> Unfucking believable. It's really good. Okay, so I see where you stand. <laughs> Just gloss over any of the facts, though. That's exactly no. what happened. Good. Right. Good. Tell I'm me good. what happened in more Well, in, before we do, I depth. want to know our first memories of Marco Polo. Today. And I, honestly, I feel really bad about the... Like, I would have said to everyone in my life, I've seen every Doctor Who episode you can watch. Obviously, I've just been lying the whole time. I've, there's so many that's been new to me throughout this. So <laughs> missing episodes have not been part of my life. Um, to me, they're, they're not real. Um, and so... <laughs> Sounds like that's so, a door being firmly shut. <laughs> <laughs> they don't exist. Yeah, but that's... No, I don't mind. I, I quite like watching them for this, but it's not... It's not something I'd be on my weekend thinking, oh, I'll just watch a bit of a missing episode. Um, yeah, no, it, it was the first time today. Um, yeah. Okay. I'd not really thought about it before. So there were so many gorgeous photographs taken of Marco Polo. That is why the reconstructions are really good, because there were so many photographs taken at the time. Um, yeah. And one of the, the best photographs is when they're listening to Ping Cho um, doing her long story. I'll come back to that later. But um, 
and it's of, of the regular cast sitting down and it was on the front cover of Doctor Who Monthly and it was one of oh. the first Doctor Who magazines I'd ever seen and it was in Paul Brown's house. I always go back to Paul Brown's house but that, I just remember seeing that and thinking, that looks gorgeous and it's in colour. I don't understand. How can Doctor Who be in colour? Mm. And it was, I think it was, it was maybe promoting the episode guide thing that I used to have which just, it was this episode guide featuring Doctor Who Monthly and it was like, it would tell you what the episode endings were for each episode. And it started right at the start and went all the way through. And that was one of my first understandings of of old Doctor Who, was reading these episode guides. You just hear the cliffhanger, and yeah. that's all it would say. But I loved those. They were my favourite thing. I'd go to those in the archives, and they were the best thing. And all the other stuff I didn't care for at all. But I remember reading the Marco Polo ones and thinking, that looks really interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good. But I never read the book. I've got the book. I've never read it. Wow, really? I think I tried to start reading it and I was like, oh, I'm a bit bored. No, I don't think it's going to happen. But the weirdest okay. thing, right? I don't understand. Look what it says at the top right-hand corner. 50. 50? Isn't that <gasps> weird? Oh, my God. Somebody knew. <laughs> but it's my writing, but I don't know why it says 50 in it. But it was like, that's like saying, this is what you will do in your 50th episode. Is this like the 50th episode if you like, what is the 50th episode if you do episodes? Oh, episodes, no. It's like, no, it's like 13th or something, or 7, 11, 12, 13, doing sums in my head. It's like 14th or 20th or something. Anyway, no. Okay. Oh. Odd. Anyway. Mm. Let's go back to episode one, The Roof of the World. The Roof of the World. The Roof of the World. You do not know? No, that's why I'm asking you. How long have you been travelling? It is 1289, and this is the plain of Pamir, known to those who travel to Cathay as the roof of the world. The roof of the world? Yes. Episode one. Yes. So we've already said the footprints are never explained ever. Can you try to and explain them to me now, please? Because I don't understand. I think they were a hook. To make us feel like, oh, there's something going on here. Anything could happen. And they're not safe. They need the protection of the caravan. The caravan. So what were so, they? Do we ever know what they are? Big creature. Really? Ah, no, it, no it, yeah, it was supposed to be like a Yeti thing. Really? Sure it would have been. Are you sure? Yeah. Because Ian says something about a Mongol... Not a, He doesn't say anything about a Mongol foot, but that's what I thought the implication was, that it was the foot of a man, but in a in a bigger foot thing like a boot but no but it looked really paw printy didn't it i know so are we yeah, meant to no. believe that is the yeti yeah i think it was that. just a joke like it was like just a silly kind of let's just be a little bit clever i'm gonna say but, right in if you know differently yeah because i not... i would agree good yeah now this is the point in the show's history where there's so much historical not historical <laughs> so much educational content Yes. So we've got about condensation later. In this episode, we had about the science of boiling, didn't we? <laughs> which, is, which is quite funny. He was like oh, saying, what? oh Making... yes, it boils at a different temperature because there's no air up here and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, yes, God. yes, they did, yes. 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 But they were really trying to educate at this point still. Yes. That's quite cute. I like that. I'm afraid the, uh, the liquid is not too warm. But the cold here is so intense, it even robs a flame of its heat. Oh, it takes a little nourishment, sir. The cold can't affect the heat of the flame, sir. The liquid boils at a lower temperature because there's so little air up here. You mean the air is responsible? Well, the lack of it. 
Just as the lack of it is responsible for the doctor's mountain sickness. Is your name Marco Polo? It is, my lady, and may I ask who you are? Oh, we're, we're travellers, yes. That's my grandchild, Susan, and that's Miss Wright, and that's Tarleton. <laughs> Chesterton. Ian Chesterton. My companions are the Lady Ping Cho and the Warlord Tagant. We travel to Shangtu. Everyone's introduced. What I love about the first episode is how cosy it is. Yeah. They're arriving in the snow and they're all in their little hoods and everything and everyone's all, well not hoods but little jackets and co- coats and they're all huddling together and then then even meeting the Marco Polo and his, his mates they're, that's all kind of cosy in the tent and, and Ping Cho's making soup. The tent's soup. so cosy because oh. um, they've got the smoke coming up from the oh. tent as well it's freaking so adorable. Nice. I don't think yeah. they're in danger at all. I mean I know Tigan is immediately talking about the, the fact that they're evil spirits and you think ah oh, he's the bad guy. Yeah. But and then Susan and Pincho get to have a sleepover, don't oh, they? Hug them. So They were nice. just adorable. They really loved each other. But no, we need to go back to the fact that oh, sorry. We, had, we had another bit of classic Ian throwing fucking Barbara under the bus. <laughs> it was just... Who was that? Like, they just... They'd both seen the, the, the big fucking... The hoof... No, the big footprint. Like, yeah. the, obviously something that looks kind of like a paw yeah. print. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, it was really bad. It's like paws or hooves or... Uh, he's like... I think it was just a boot. <laughs> he was just like, <laughs> he was fully making her look like she was mental. Yeah, he was just as panicked five seconds earlier. He was oh, like, right. oh, you know, you're really over the top, Barbara. Yeah, you need to calm your shit down. It was just really annoying. It was, yeah, it was that kind of gaslighting that we've grown to love and enjoy so very much. And also on this similar front is the fact that Susan, at some point Susan needed to do a revolution. She kind of did a slight revolution in sense rights, but... The fact that when they're looking for fuel and like Ian and Barbara go off and, and Susan says, I'll come to him. And they're like, no, you stay behind, Susan. So you're bored out of your mind as usual. Just stay behind. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So yeah. rude. Anyway. But at least you had a friend to be bored with eventually. I think the thing that kind of screamed out quite early on was how plummy everyone sounded. Like oh. everyone from the main cast was incredibly, incredibly plummy English. Whereas, like, obviously there's some really racist renditions later on with different people. Oh. But all the of the main the man cast... At, was... it, the man at Lop? No, someone. Oh, no, it was Wang Low. Wang Low. Yes. That was just like a pantomime dame performance. It was embarrassing. But, yeah, but also the fact that everyone's really laughing and, oh, isn't this fun? It was, yeah, the whole thing was awful. Um, but, yeah, anyway, we're not there. But, yeah, no, it just felt like they didn't even try to make you feel like you're in another country. Like, they, it was just so incredibly plummy. It was oh, I bizarre. was there. I was there. Were you? The, oh, I oh, totally good. was. I was really oh, felt okay. like I was there. So, wrong. Okay, I, good. I want to say I love the travel narration and the map. And the fact yes. that they're moving around, that was so cosy as well. I it was really word, lovely. Was, that was the only some... thing that kept me going with the journey. I was like, oh, at least I know we've gone from that town to that town. Otherwise, it would have just been fucking desert to desert to desert. So, yeah, I'm glad that we had something to break it up. Success. My plan has worked. The strangers and their unusual caravan accompany me to look. Our route takes us across the roof of the world, down to the Kashgar Valley and southeast to Tarkan. Here we join the old Silk Road, along which the commerce and culture of a thousand years has travelled to and from Cathay. I wonder what the stranger's reaction will be when I tell them what I propose to do. 
So to me, this feels like a really epic story because they travel so far. But in in fact, in terms of elements, it's not that epic. It's more the scale of the journey, the length of the journey and how long it takes. It takes months or weeks at least. But, But in terms of grandeur, in terms of what it's trying to say, it's really small. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Yeah, basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm fully with you there. There wasn't. It was really quite little in terms of what happened and the the plot elements. Did you notice quite early on when I think? Um, oh yeah, it's when he smells the bean sprout soup, which I'm thinking that wouldn't smell amazing. Bean sprout no, soup. No, because bean sprouts are nothing. Nothing. Oh, I thought that yeah. was funny. He was <laughs> really excited like about the bean sprouts, and he's like, "Oh, lovely." It's like, no, there's no flavour in bean sprout soup at all. <laughs> I was thinking that's. But, all, I was already tasting it being really watery and quite grim. Yeah, I think we need a little. Can we put some chili or something in here? I feel like <laughs> sad. Yeah, but yeah. So like she starts. She's talking to him about something, and he just absolutely talks over her, and it's oh. just like he just doesn't even wait for it to finish. It's just like yeah, my line now. Shush, show. <laughs> it was awful, but yeah, normal also. Yeah. Yeah. And around about that point, I was remembering something that must have happened in one of our previous podcast episodes where. I was. I got some kind of idea about putting a, a paint can above the TARDIS door, and there was elephants <laughs> involved. And I was like, that would have made for a way better a fucking episode. I was like, I wish they'd done that. Why were there no elephants and paint cans involved? This would have really there was transformed later things. On, wasn't there? Um, what I liked about Marco's plight is that it parallels Ian and Barbara's. They're trying to get home. He's been trying to get home for 18 years. And that's all he wants. 18? He just wants to go back home to Venice. Yes. And that's why he's so determined to get the TARDIS and give it as a gift to, to Kublai Khan. And I missed I think that. I had... synopsis, didn't I? Sorry. It's okay. I did know. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was a really good motivation. And I was thinking, well, yeah, yes. Barbara, I've only been gone for a few weeks. I think it's not there whining. But um, yeah. I, I gave, that gave some sympathy to Marco. But then all that sympathy is removed because he steadfastly believes in this idiot Mongol warlord. And things oh, yes. quite nice. Without any reason whatsoever. Like Yeah. Yeah, no, that that was bizarre. Like nothing could ever be said about him. Um Yes. What was I that was... bit where the doctor started giggling like a twat? That like, was at the end the of hell? he does it twice at really dangerous points. And I think it's the implication is that when he's in a really serious situation, he can only deal with it by laughing. But it's just really annoying. So when Marco says, well, I'm definitely going to take the caravan to Kublai Khan, he's like, ah, no. And everyone's like, why are you laughing? It's like, Cause you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. I wrote, Dr. Endlessly laughing like a weirdo, I wrote down. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I wrote, um, I wrote a different, I wrote um, a paraphrased version of Marco Polo's diary, <laughs> which was, I fucking hate the doctor, he's a <laughs> fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> because he was just like, Oh my god, this guy doesn't stop moaning. He was just absolutely <laughs> over him. It was really and I was like, yeah, I'm completely with you, Marco. Yeah, I would not want him in my fucking caravan either. <laughs> wow. Oh god. Um yes. into episode two. This, I don't know whether it is, right in, but I think this might be the longest episode of regular Doctor Who. You know, the regular sort of 25, 23 to 25 minutes oh. episode. Because it's like 26 minutes plus this one. And I'm like, wow. I've never heard of a Doctor Who episode. With no fucking content. Why? Well, Sorry, there's lots this. of content. I like the singing sounds. Did you? I did. 
wow i was just like turn that noise off like we know you're in a sandstorm now just stop it but the sandstorm was really good effect it was all that sound of like shouting and screaming and it sounded like people and it almost didn't i loved all that i'm going to play a bit of that in now <gasps> Before we get to that point, there's a gorgeous scene between Susan and Barbara. Originally meant to be between Susan and the Doctor, but but William Hartnell had fallen ill at this point. Oh, so he wasn't on holiday. He wasn't in Ibiza or that's somewhere. That's why he was in his room all the time. Yes, and it didn't give a shit when Susan go. Oh, was Granddad? Was Granddad scared about me? Nope, <laughs> didn't even fucking notice. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's when Susan's really upset and she says, we should be up there another time in another galaxy and all that stuff. I loved all that bit. She did a really good performance. Loved Caroline Ford at this point. I thought it was oh, really nice. good. Oh, nice. <laughs> Don't remember. Yeah, I've, got that. I've got nothing. Nothing mentioned about that, but good. Glad that you liked was, it. That I really liked that. <laughs> I like that bit. We'll get the TARDIS back, Susan. Yes, the Kublai Khan's caught, but it's too late. We should be up there another time, another galaxy. Oh, we'll think of something. How? Ian playing chess with Marco. Grandfather being rude and, and sulking by himself. Oh, I don't think he's sulking, is he? Well, he won't eat. He won't even talk to me. Well, you know him better than I do. But I'd have said he was just feeling defenseless. He has a wonderful machine capable of all sorts of miracles. It's taken away from him by a man he calls a primitive. Look, TARDIS is the only home we have at the moment. And when we're in it, we feel safe and secure. But when we're out of it... He talked to me. Confide in me. Oh, he's like a rubber ball. He'll come bouncing out of there soon, full of ideas. I did really like the, the really bizarre response that Barbara had to a really awful day. <laughs> this has been really awful. Should we just stay one more day? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? Who's ever that. said that? I'm fucking hating this. Let's just stay a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I loved her line about um, she described the doctor as a rubber ball. He's gonna. He's like a rubber ball. He'll come bouncing out of there. Yes. And it yeah, reminds he does, me. Oh, basically, he's got like fucking. Yeah, he's got issues, but yeah, sorry, carry it on. It reminded me of Bobby V, the Bobby V song, Rubber Ball, which I'm going to play some of in now because it's one of my favourite 60s nice. songs. Nice. Rubber ball, I come bouncing back to you. Rubber ball, I come bouncing back to you. Uh, uh, uh. I'm like a rubber, rubber ball. ball, baby, that's all that I am to you. Bouncy, 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 bouncy. 
Bouncing back to me. <laughs> anyway, nice. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to be able to tell the difference between when you played that in and you singing. So thank you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, also, Ping Cho and Susan have a lovely scene. The moon will okay. make it look like a great silver sea. And then Susan, being all um, down with the kids in 1964, she calls the star-strewn, star-strewn sky crazy. She thinks it looks crazy. And, and she says it means I dig it. And I loved all yes, that. Yes, I dig it. Oh, crazy. Yeah, no, I was <laughs> struggling with that, yes. Oh, you were struggling. I like that. Yes, sorry. So Tagana can walk out of the camp and do whatever he like because he's a man, yeah. but the girls aren't like... ladies they need, get they need permission. Yeah, yeah, exactly. After the sandstorm, it all gets tied up a bit quickly and then Tagana's allowed... To, he's going to go on. What's he doing? I got confused what Tagana was up to because his plans failed, but he's going to go ahead to the Oasis. Um, he was going to go ahead to the Oasis um, yeah. and bring some back to them. But... Because they, there wasn't enough strength for them to go on because yeah. grandfather needed fucking comfort. What the fuck? Um, yeah. And no, he's like, he'll be uncomfortable. We can't, we must be comfortable. What are you talking about? You're all going to die. It doesn't fucking matter how comfortable where you are when you die. So yeah, he was going to go on ahead and just sit there and wait for them all to die. But because they had a bit about of condensation which was essentially the doctor's sweat that they all started drinking then um yes they all drank the doctor's sweat and um and got got to the oasis on time thank goodness yeah but i like the ending of episode two when he says here's water marco polo come for it i thought that was really good the way he was pouring the gourd of water out because that was yes. really nasty and evil. evil yes he was quite evil yes talking about condensation we're into 500 eyes by now if you hadn't noticed um no we aren't Oh, we are. They collect the water. The condensation is in collecting is in oh, episode okay. three. But nice. they could have just got it from the TARDIS swimming pool, couldn't they? Ah! Oh, chlorine. Chlorine. <laughs> I feel there's water elsewhere. Very they water. Uh, yeah, they've uh, definitely got a tap. They've actually got a fucking plumbing. bath in there. They, they have been washing for the last few weeks, let's hope. Susan! Susan! Susan, wake up! Wake up! Quickly! Get some cups and cups. All right, Look, we must catch the water. We mustn't waste a drop. Come along, child, wake up. Quickly. Look at it streaming down the walls. Look. We must collect this water. water. We must, quickly, quickly. Before the ship heats up in the sun. Hurry, child. Hurry, please. Right, I've got a question for you. When you think mm. of the TARDIS and domestic arrangements and companions having to do things like go to the mm. toilet and, and, and wash themselves and stuff like that in... Doctor Who, what era do you think of that most, of that sort of like day-to-day work, time in the TARDIS? Who do you think of the most? I think of it in um, Nyssa and yes! Adric's time. <laughs> yeah, me, that, totally. Isn't yeah. that so weird? That's the only time, because they've showed bedrooms and stuff then, haven't they? And they've kind of it brought a bit really of reality domestic. to it. Yeah. yeah, 
No, but it's thankfully, we never see Adric on the loo. <laughs> Sorry? Thankfully, we never see Adric on the loo. <laughs> that would be really upsetting. That would be actually quite awful. But we Imagine do that. see like, Tegan. We do see Tegan doing her makeup, though, don't we? You know, and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, I'm just imagining like just Nissa walking by and he hasn't bothered to shut the door. Oh, <laughs> but he'd just be like, "It's all right, come and have a chat. I'm only sat here. We all do it." <laughs> oh, just stop. I'm imagining yeah. soiled underwear on the floor of his bedroom. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I reckon he probably has pleg nuts as well because I imagine he's probably got quite um, a hairy bottom. Oh, <laughs> honestly, that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> Disgusting. You're disgusting. <laughs> I can't believe you've said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dog. I've got a dog that's just coming to see me. Hello, Toby. Hello. Go away. I need Toby taken away because I'm on the podcast. But we love you, Toby. Can you close the door, please, someone? Hello. Hiya, John. Come and say a quick hello to Alex. Just wave. Come and wave at her. Hello. No, no, come here. You have to come into the camera. Hello. Hello, beautiful. I can't. Hello. Hello. How are you, gorgeous? I'm doing really good. Okay, right. Close the door, please. I'm bitch. Anyway. Right. So, I'm glad we've covered that domestic TARDIS situation. Yes, <laughs> we totally. Adric in a disgusting way. Oh my god, Alex, you really know how to bring the tone down. <laughs> Think of anyway. Adric, though. He's the kind of guy who would say, You're speaking to a man of superior intellect. Wouldn't he, though? Wouldn't he say that kind of shit? Oh, is that what the doctor said? Because he calls he Marco does. Polo a primitive and a savage, doesn't he? Yes, it's just awful. He's so up himself. It's like. Why do you think that anyone would help you? Like I'd chuck yeah. him away from the caravan straight away. He's all he's treats everyone like shit, and he's got no bargaining power. I he's a horrible, that. horrible man. What I like is they're suddenly at the oasis after the condensation episode. They get the water, they taste it, they're fine, and like they're suddenly at the oasis. Like there's no travelling there, and I know there's no. a lot of travelling, but there's a load of bits where it's just like right, we're at the next bit, and I really like the yes. fact that it jumps quite regularly. You don't have to see oh, the travelling okay. all the time. So I'm just saying that was Just good. because the bits where they do travel are so fucking painful. <laughs> Maybe they didn't need any of those bits either. <laughs> I was very confused about the cave of 500 eyes. Because just yeah? before it, um, like, Rom- not Romana, <laughs> I'm getting stuck in that world again. <laughs> Barbara says, oh, isn't there, a, isn't there something to do with a thousand Buddhas near here? And then they say, oh, the cave of 500 eyes. And then like, 250 men, and it's all the maths of it really got me confused. Ooh, I'm like, are we talking about the same thing? Because Marco's talking about 250 evil men, and I said, like, oh no, that's right, because that, that would be 500 eyes doubled. Yes. Correct. Yes. But where did the thousand Buddhas come in? Why was she talking about it? And it also felt like Barbara knew about the cave of 500 eyes, and I'm like, is this historically accurate? Very yes, confused. we all know about the, the cave of 500 eyes. I learned about it at school. Because even Ping Cho says, I don't know that story. And then, <laughs> and then she says, no, I do know a story, but it requires preparation, so I'll tell you it later. I've never seen so many temples in my life. Chung Huan is a famous city, Susan. Yeah. Isn't the cave of a thousand Buddhas near here? thousand Buddhas? Yes. Have you heard of the cave of 500 eyes? No, I haven't. I do not know that one either, Mr. Marco. I'm intrigued by this cave, Marco. Why is it called 500 eyes? On the walls are painted the faces of 250 evil men who once lived there. They were the Hashashins. Hashashins? Yes, and they were so called because they used the drug hashish. 
Are they still hashashins in the cave? No, Susan. They were put to the sword 20 years ago by a great Mongol conqueror called Hulagu. Mm. There is a story of Hulagu in the hashashin. Oh, tell it to us, Ping Chow. Later, if you wish. Well, why not now? It needs preparation. And then the story didn't really feel like it was about the 500 eyes at all. No, it was, it was absolutely question. nothing to do with it. But it was it was a lovely story. Well done, Ping Cho. No. It was lovely. I just before that. it, I loved that Barbara had said, Ian, I have something important to tell you, okay? And he goes, <laughs> shh, later! Because <laughs> you only say, like, you've got something important to say when it's really not important. Just fucking weird. Fuck's sake, it's just so rude. But anyway, carry so, on, Ping Cho. I did think the Pink Cho story was a lovely set piece, and I imagine it's yes. really beautiful to see. But I didn't follow her story at all. I didn't have a clue what was going on. Um, oh, did you not? Oh, oh did you? So it's, but it's, yeah, because it's a really famous story. Oh, but I got confused by it as well because the main character in it was called Aladdin. As in, yeah, Aladdin, I think uh, with the word "lard" in there. But I think Aladdin came from. Aladdin. Older stories about Aladdin. Um, yeah, oh, and oh, we know how to pronounce it even. Oh, Aladdin. <laughs> what your head doesn't. What your head doesn't want. It's falling. It's falling. But yeah, no, that is a famous story about how they basically got people to be like these devotees that they kind of faked what, like this paradise looked like, and that was the reason behind why people would die for their cause because they had been drugged and made to feel like they were in paradise and to get oh, back there. I understand there. that story now. Yeah. Oh, you see, I didn't understand that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've had knowledge. Handmaidens, dulcet voice, soft of face, attended them, and thus bemused did they dwell in this man-made paradise, until Aladdin, intent upon some evil deed, proffered again the hushish draught and brought them sleeping to his castle. What, Lord, are we cast out of paradise, awakening, they cried? Not so. Go abroad, seek out my enemies and strike them down. But care not for your lives. Paradise is eternal. What I was confused about was they, they were the hashishin and they had lots of hashish, which mm. Aladdin gave them in order mm-hmm. to make them follow him. But... What they didn't say, and I thought they did reveal this in Marco Polo, was that Hashashin is the derivation of assassin. They did say that. Oh, Ian did they? said it about ten minutes later. Oh, did it was he? Like, yeah, it was very play school. He's like, did oh. you know that we use that word today? And do you know what that word is? It was, it was really play school. Okay. It was so awful. It was, so it was assassin, hashish. It was both those things. Okay, good. But I was quite surprised they were talking about hashish on a tea, 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 tea time TV programme. Yes. But I think it was in a way where no one would ever actually be involved in drugs. This is just something that happens in a faraway land. It was oh, okay. it was like it's okay talking about the smoking of the poppy kind of thing, but because that's something that no one would ever possibly do. Mm. I thought it got very dark in terms of subject matter in the Cave of Five Hundred Eyes when those two men were were throwing dice to decide who was going to kill Barbara. That was really bloodthirsty. I was like, wow. <laughs> They were I baddies. was excited to know who they would. Quite... They were bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved how one of them had, had um, like blonde curly hair, like every good Mongol does. <laughs> just so like you kind of tried to have someone who was slightly okay. It to be well, there. Was, <laughs> I know. Awful. I wrote down at this point. 
I can't see how racist this is, thankfully. I wrote down at one point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I must admit, I do love Watchams, Darren Nesbitt. Like, he oh, yeah. is brilliant. Very good. Very good. Like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, And he also, he looked quite different to everything else I've ever seen him in, because generally he is quite blonde, or at least mousy and things. And like, he just, he has a very kind of almost perfect look about him. Like, he's yes. quite a a kind of very kind of almost a caricature of like perfect face kind of thing. Mm. So he wasn't like that. His, his Tagana character was quite a departure from how you tend to see him. I like him. I like him a lot. One thing I struggled with was that I felt that Tagana and Marco Polo's voices, Darren Nesbitt and Mark Eden's voices were very similar. So yes. I couldn't tell who was talking. If, if it had been on TV with the moving pictures, it would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for radio, they had far too similar voices. Their voices were really similar, yeah. weren't they? And I think that was a shame because Tagana's could have been more... I'm glad he didn't do a Chinese or like Mongol accent there or anything. That was a really... But it would have been nice but... for Marco Polo to have a slightly fucking kind of Italian Italian accent, accent. Yeah, yeah. He should have done, shouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. Mark Eden was very much from the home counties, wasn't he? Yes. Marco yeah, Polo. Fully. Yes. Marco Polo was from like... I don't know where, like Windsor or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So, all the business in the cave of 500 eyes. Susan's screaming. When she screams, <sighs> you can't tell what she's saying. It was just... Yeah, I was, I was, Susan screams what? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? It was bizarre. Barbara! So before her, Barbara, Miss Wright, Barbara, Miss Wright. But it's just like, <laughs> choose one. Honestly, Susan Zen, Barbara, Pinto, why are you so indifferential? Why are you calling to find out whether she's dead or not? Just fucking go with Barbara. You can let go of formalities at this point. Just fucking go that's with the, Barbara. That's the conditioning of the court at Samarkand. Oh, OK. Thank yeah. you very much. Appreciate the info. I think we're moving into episode four. Yeah, the, the eyes fucking of... moved. The eyes moved. They did. The Wall of Lies. Yes. It's because... Now, I always, I always thought in my head, little Andy thought that the Wall of Lies was just probably just along from the 500 Eyes cave. Just yeah. there was a wall and there was lies on it. Yeah. I didn't realise that this was actually the Wall of Lies that Tagano was creating. It was a metaphorical wall. Yes. No. Didn't, no big I didn't great that. wall. No. No. So I was quite surprised to discover that. I had never thought about it, really. But anyway. Yeah. Oh, yes. Also, just to say the Wall of Lies was on my minus eighth birthday that first went out. And it made me realise how old I am. Because it yeah, went out on the 14th of March. 14th of March, 1964. Ah, like, oh, my God. That's cute. But then it's to think I was only born eight years later. It makes me feel ancient, honestly. Because this felt like it was from the Ark. Pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Old man. <laughs> wow. But very young looking, I think you'll agree. Yes. Um, thank you, please. Oh, yes, I like that Tagana thinks that, that Susan, he just genuinely believes that they're a bit evil. Yeah. And he thinks Susan, he thinks Susan has been cunning, befriending Ping Cho. Yeah. He thinks it's a cunning act on her part and it's all about wheeling their way in. And I thought that was really interesting colour. Yeah, that he has it a bit of depth. He's not just yeah. fully evil. He's like, no, they are quite bad. Has not that cunning Susan already won Ping Cho from your side? She's a child, Tagana. Only a fool defends his enemies. Be warned, Marco. 
They will set us at each other's throats by lies and deceit. And then, when they have divided us, then they will destroy us one by one. Well, harmless to go. Harmless. They possess a caravan that flies. What power they have is locked inside this, it, and I have the key. This very evening, Marco, when we were out looking for this Barbara, hmm. Chen Shou thought the old man was in his room. He was not. Marco. He was out there with his caravan. And, yeah, and, mm. and, and also, like, I think even though what Marco Polo's doing is not great for the Doctor and gang, like, they're, they are working at odds to the Doctor, Ian and Barbara. Like, I, I feel like we shouldn't necessarily be rooting for the Doctor and the team in this because what they want really goes against what Marco Polo wants. So I'm like... I think maybe he should be allowed to go to Venice. Maybe it's okay. <laughs> kind of, I don't think your needs are greater. So, I mean, obviously I know he gets to it in the end, but it just felt like um, they were everything that they were doing was kind of against Marco Polo, but they kept expecting him to be really nice to them the whole time, but they kept yeah. doing shit that fucked his plans up royally. I know, I know. And they were lucky they weren't just killed somewhere. I know, he's like, so, no, like, easy going. Trouble. He's like, I know. oh, okay, you naughty kids, carry on, I'll keep you Because the worst, the worst he, don't, he sort of really does, other than forbid them tend to the TARDIS, which is fair enough, is that, like, yeah, you're not, you're not having any more sleepovers with Ping Cho anymore, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> that's, that's it, like, that is the worst. worst he really is just like their dad. <laughs> he's like, you can't be trusted. <laughs> no more sleepovers for you. Too. Yeah. There was a one point as well where um, William Hartnell got a bit over jollied, and I think it was more than there was in the script. He said, jolly good riddance, and I'm jolly glad, and everything was jolly, jolly at one point. And I was like, okay. Yeah, him adding more words, at least you don't forget them. Um, didn't you find it quite, I guess, that plot-wise, I found it quite frustrating when, I think, was it um, Barbara that says... I've got proof that Tigana's dodgy. Uh, they were the exact words. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> but she goes up and says, I've actually got proof that Tigana's dodgy. And uh, yeah. maybe it was soon. And then, then he goes, ah! <laughs> but he, he gets really angry with them. It's like, but it really what you're saying is your proof isn't the best proof. So now I'm just going to shout at you. Like, it was just really frustrating. It was like, yeah. okay, if they have proof, even if it's not, the most ideal proof, the fact that they brought proof to him, I think is probably quite sensible of them. It's like, yeah, if we had yeah. better evidence, we'd brought you that. But we've got this piece of evidence, which is still valid. Maybe was it Susan? I think maybe it was Susan. Ah, yeah, it was about uh, it was Susan and Ping Cho when they said that about the corner of the cave. Like we know yeah. he's dodgy because how would he have known otherwise? Oh, yes, because he didn't know about the passageway. Yes. Exactly. Yes, and, um, he did know about it, yeah. Yeah, and so, and he's like, ah, you bad hats, you really shouldn't say naughty things. It's like, no, actually, they've just given you some useful information. Yes, you don't have to take that as an absolute definitive, but it's a reason to maybe look further into it instead of just shouting at the person who gave you the information. It was just stupid and annoying in every way. Yeah, but at, uh, but at the same time, they do keep pissing him off. Yes, and, but be pissed off 18, with him. And 18 years of not getting back home. Yes, yeah. but Tagana's going to fuck him up. Like, Tagana is going to fuck his I plans up. He should be really vigilant. Yeah. 
I like the fact that Susan is a really important part of the plot. She always talks about things that are going on, her mm. and Pincho. The fact that, le when does Pincho get the key? I was really amazed that she just stole the key. I was like, oh my God, you've been told not to do anything. And she steals it. And I was just like, I, I was like, why wow. the fuck would Marco Polo... Oh yeah, you're, you're ahead of me. You've got a whole page. I'm sorry, I you know, like, I'm sorry. I was like, don't fucking tell Pincho anything. She is going to sell you to the dogs tomorrow. She's like, there is no honesty or fairness in Pincho. If you trust her, you're an absolute twat. We're just really No, no, but no, that's not fair about Pincho. That is Pincho being having more loyalty to Susan, the first person who's shown her any sort of sympathy or care about the horrible situation she's going to go to at at, um, at Shang Tu and all that. Stuff. I understand. Actually, I understand why Pincho would be Pincho Stan here. Yeah. yeah no, I get. But why the fuck would Marco Polo tell her? It's just like the last fucking person you tell. Like, no, you she, said, she didn't tell her. She saw. She saw. No, he, he fucking he told her. Him. He made it really fucking obvious. Is that like, I can really? tell you something? Can't. Yeah, he told her. She didn't need to know. He did it completely without her knowledge, and then he told her. Okay. It was just like you did not need to say that. It was like you were just after a fight there, you twat. But anyway, we're friends, aren't we? Aren't we? We were. Wow. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> that seemed to come out of nowhere. <laughs> so, who was that? Who was that between? That was um, Ian came up to um, Marco Polo and said, "We're friends, aren't we?" And then Marco Polo says, "We were." And then you, as the conversation like goes further, he's like, basically, he's just pissed off that Susan and Ping Cho said something about Tagana. Then, by association, he's pissed off with Ian. It like made no oh. sense whatsoever. It was oh, like, gosh. well, you know, some people who said some things I didn't like, so we were bizarre. Um, <coughs> are we at the end of episode four? Yeah, I just wanted to say the bit about I liked how the fact that Tigana thinks that the only way to kill the Doctor, who he calls the magician, is with a stake through the heart. So again, he's really serious about them being evil spirits. Yeah, yeah, with him. Like, like that. So they plan to take Polo hostage, don't they? Which I think is really quite a sort of bravura plan. They're like, we'll just, we'll just, we'll capture him. And I'm like, really? That's a Rude. bit much. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we're into episode five, Rider from Shang Two. I always like the sound of that episode. It's like, oh, that you? sounds a bit. Did you follow exciting. their journey? Did you follow it on the maps? I was confused because there was, as as Kieran Hodgson's little clip will show, there was Su Chow, Kan Chow, Lan Chow. <laughs> Like, yeah. really? And they've all got There's different names now. There's one that I definitely found, which yeah. was... Oh, did you? Chang Tun, I think, or something like that. Um, Cheng, Cheng, Cheng Chu? Dun, no, Dun Hong, which is... It, it was Tun, <laughs> Tun Huang, they said, but it should be Dun Hong. Um, oh. Yeah, I found that one. And a couple of others. Oh, Jiang Ti. No, Jiang Ting. Anyway, yeah. I, I, oh. I did lots of things this where I tried research. different spellings. I know! What's oh, going cool. on? Yeah. That's weird. I know. Well done, though. I like a map. What a nightmare this journey has become. Our progress is impeded because Tagana, the bearers, and I must constantly be on the alert for any signs of trouble from the prisoners. And Ping Cho's resentment of me only serves to make my task more difficult. But I have succeeded in keeping her away from them by setting up a separate tent for the Doctor and his companions. So in episode five, there's a one point where the Doctor shouts at Marco and he's like, honestly, you should be quiet because you're so rude. He calls him, he says, you're a bigger fool than even I think you are at one point. I was like, wow. Who was that to who? 
The doctor said it to Marco. Wow. Yeah, he's so rude. You just killed him really quickly. Yeah. I loved the bandit, bandit attack when they, when they were coming and they realised they had to throw the bamboo onto the fire at a certain point and they got it just right just before the bandits attacked. Yes. I liked the bamboo on the fire. Again, a bit of science. Yeah, bit of science. there was a, you're right. There was a lot more teaching in this than I had recognised. But yeah, they were well up for a bit of that. <laughs> confusion over what sent the bandits away because they were like saying oh was it the bamboo someone questioned whether the bamboo had actually been pointless or not and they said no it was the death of akamat the the guy um the leader of the bandits they said oh no that was actually what meant them let them made them go and i was like well why confuse the issue either we just say it's the bandits sorry it's the bamboo or we don't yeah why do we have there's no value in any of it so no let's make your conversation valuable because it's not making much sense to anyone right now yeah um but marco gives some freedom back as a thank you at this point and i think the only freedom he actually gives back is that i think ping cho and susan can have sleepovers (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is they get freedom for the fact that they had planned to fucking shaft him again. It's like, well, we're going to shaft you, but we didn't. Oh, okay, <laughs> so, Is that okay? Uh, yeah. yeah. Sleepovers are back on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Completely. But there it's was a bit of sleepover. science that was wrong here. I wouldn't say oh, science so much. Uh, so, they were, I was getting really, this is not how it works. They were talking about the speed of, uh, yeah, the speed of the rider. They could do 300 miles. And I was like, nah. Not fucking possible. Did you know that if you have a man and a horse both trying oh, to... Oh, no, we're back in that. I know, we are. <laughs> There's going to be a graph. There's going to be a graph. Um, but if you get a man and a horse to run yeah. 300 miles, the man will win. Because horses get really fucking tired. They can go really fast for a short period of time, but then they need a really long fucking rest. Ah, Whereas a man you were can keep sleeping going. On the job. You were sleeping on the job because they changed the horses at regular intervals. The man said that. Oh, okay. Then that works. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> they did really well with that bit. Good job. Ling Tao explained that. Ling Tao, as I live and breathe, he's a rider from Shang Tzu. Is he? I really was asleep at that point because I was no, really he thinking. he was terrible though because he was the worst looking, he was the most racist looking it, character. Not in terms of acting, but because he was a oh, white but man. He, not, not even barely made to look Chinese. He looked terrible. He was the one with the curly blonde hair, was he? I think so. He was yes. terrible. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, he was really, yeah. He was the worst. I'm like, why don't you just employ someone who looks more white than possible and <laughs> just say he's, he's like, Chinese? If you had him as a Viking, might have worked. <laughs> I know. Not else. Not yeah. good. So then we get to um, Chengting, which is yeah. also known as the White City. I, thought, I wondered whether that was a joke, because White City is kind of like another name. It's a name for one of the TV production sort of areas for London. For but no, Chengting is a place. Yes. Anyway, 
This is where we meet Wang Lo, and this isn't problematic at all, is no. it? No. Yeah, it oh was not God. just as how awfully camp he was, but just it was just it it was like but camp but like stupidly camp and just mm-hmm. an absolute caricature of a human and the fact that they're all giggling about it, it was just nasty and horrible. And then the doctor even imitates him. Oh I know. Wow. Yeah. No, it's that like, was he's a fat Chinese man, let's just take the piss. And it's that that was like John used to do you remember that? If um, ever but there was like an Indian person on TV, he'd always do some like waggly yeah. head shit, and I it was know, just all. And he couldn't not like it was just like a compulsion. He My had mum to kind calling of... calling Chinese food. She she wouldn't say she was going to get Chinese. She said she'd always say she would go and get Chinese chinky nosh. Yeah, chinky nosh. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, that oh was normal. God. Yeah. Yeah. And like we just heard that and thought it was not it was yeah, normal. Yeah, yeah, it's taken me a while to come out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so wrong. Yes. Pending arrival, my lord Marco, by a courier who passed this way from Shangri. Well, I thought you said the TARDIS was to be placed in the courtyard. To what does the old lord refer? His caravan. Oh, that's what it is. I had it moved. Uh, where to? The stables, my lord. Stables. Well, I could hardly leave it in the hanging garden, my lord. Now could I? It'll be safe enough there, doctor. What, uh, when does the next commerce caravan leave for Shangtu? Mm, the day after tomorrow, my lord. Will you see that all the baggage goes with it, including that caravan? I shall make it a personal duty, my lord Marco. And now, if you step this way, I'll escort you to your apartment. Yeah. I could hardly have it placed in the hanging garden now, could I? What does she think it is, a potting shed or something? But on a better note, yes. I did love the scene when Susan and Ping Cho were looking at the goldfish and they were naming them and they were saying which ones look like who. Yes. I must admit, my, my only comment is Susan has fully befriended Ping Cho now. <laughs> I was just like... No. I was no, what just do you so... mean by this? Because Now, do you know that a lot of people ship them? You know this term, ship? Ah, oh, yeah, the girls use that. But, yeah. Yes. They would be they really cute together. Yes. But, adorable. You know, I, I don't see any evidence of it going further than firm befriending. No, they really but... like each other. It's just yeah, nice. Do. Good friendships. They're lovely. Look at that one there. He's just like Wang Lo, all fat, smooth and silky. <laughs> Look at this one here. He's very solemn. He's just like Marco Polo. Look at this one bashing around all over the place. He's got Ian's energy. Ah, look, that one's all by itself. It's independent, like Barbara. There's you, Susan. Hmm? A wicked goldfish. <laughs> now, where are you, Ping Chun? Oh, look there. That little pretty one down there with the wedding veil. Oh, I... Sorry. How I missed my home in Samarkand. And your home, Susan. You've never told me about that. It's so very far away. Yes, it is. It's, it's as far away as a night star. But you can reach it from Venice, can't you? No, Bingo. No, I can't. Behind the scenes fact, 
the spider monkey that that horrible man has pooed everywhere in the studio and they had a big poo problem. Oh, was it a real monkey, was it? Oh, yes. yes. Oh, shit. Pooed everywhere. Pooed everywhere. <laughs> so this is when Ping Cho steals the key. And I'm like, gosh, brave, because she knows Susan can't get her home and she really cares about her. Hooray. Yeah. Um, and I was just... <laughs> you were just annoyed that she did it. Apparently. I was just so annoyed. The, fa- the fact that this, she then she then has to run away back the way she came. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You really want to cover old ground in this hideously long journey. I was like, if you take me back to a fucking lot, I will smack you. I was just so <laughs> anyway, Before we get there, though, we have at the end of episode five, yes. we have the crew all get away into the TARDIS. And then, like, Susan says, oh, I've got to say goodbye to Ping Cho. So that's why they don't get away. Because yes. She decides she has to say goodbye. But that's because of firm befriendment. Yeah, but no, then... she was a proper friend. Yes. Oh, no. But then Tagana's waiting, grabs her, and there's all those lovely... Um, photos of her being grabbed that sounds wrong but um, but it reminded me of an earthly child when they all get back to the TARDIS and they only just almost just get back there and this thing about the TARDIS being so such an important safe place and they all want to be back in there and I love that feeling of early William yes. Hartnell too of the, the, we, we've got to get back there and they're always this trying to get safety, back there and I, yes. I do love that yeah, no, and they, really do, and the they feels talked of about that. the safety of the TARDIS quite a bit. Yeah, they, yes, they it did. To them. They felt like but, it was. But um, did you notice as well that that the um, the only Barbara and Ian I think call it TARDIS. They don't call it the TARDIS at this point. Oh, weird. They just call it TARDIS, and I was like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, need yeah. <laughs> telling them. Yes. yes yeah, and I think it was TARDIS. at this point that. They, that they started talking about Kubla Khan's cafe. And I was just imagining it. Kubla Khan's cafe. Oh, was Kubla Khan's cafe. But I was just... Yeah. Oh, they said it a few times. I was like, oh. I'll have a bacon sandwich. Yeah. How's the coffee at Kubla Khan's cafe? And it was like, terrible, but you can get a mean almond croissant. But yeah, no, I really was not yeah, Exactly. So into episode six, which, which appropriately enough is called Mighty Kubla Khan. Is it Kublai or Kublai? Kublai, Kublai. Kublai. I've always thought Kubla, but I'm not saying that I'm ever right. The, the I feels like it should have a purpose. So, no. don't know. Right, good. Anyway, Ian, very, very nice of him. He takes the fall for Ping Cho. He's like, oh, it was he me, does. actually. He does. That's actually one of the nicest things that Gallant. he's ever done. Yes. But there was a really weird little scene where... Barbara says, I really think you should speak to Marco, Ian. And Ian's like, well, what about? We've tried to talk to him about getting the caravan or the TARDIS back for some time. Or sorry, TARDIS back. But um, but Barbara's like, well, actually, no, I think you should go and talk to him again. And then Marco turns up and then she says, oh, Ian wants to talk to you, Marco. I'm going to bed. Bye. <laughs> it, was really, it was really weird. It was just a really weird scene that she manipulates. And I'm thinking, well, you know that you keep trying to ask him. He's just going to say no. But it was just weird, weird little moment. I just thought it was, it was. I kind of enjoyed it, but it also mm. was odd. Yeah, very yes. odd. Listen, we need the TARDIS. You must talk to Marco. Talk to Marco? I've done nothing else but talk to Marco. I... Oh, Marco, Ian wants a word with you. Oh. I'm feeling a bit tired, so I think I'll go off to bed. But just a minute. Barbara, come here. Huh? Well, well. Marco, you must give us back the TARDIS. Marco said he's seen a stone that burns, so why not a caravan that flies? Because Ian decides to tell him the truth. Yes. I, was kind of, I can't believe you're going to tell him the truth, weirdo. Yeah. 
And he tells him he's from another space and time. And then you think that Marco's going to believe. Yeah, and he's but like, soon, you're full of shit. But as soon as it starts to say that it time travels, Marco's like, ah, I'm out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, he's like, no, no, I was almost there. I, know, I was fine. I was fine <laughs> when you said it could fly. But now you're saying it can defy the passage of the sun. You're insane. And yeah. I'm out. Yeah. You'll have yeah. to get your money from the remaining dragons. Yeah. Yes. And for those reasons, I'm out. I love the fact that there's a question at this point Marco's like I sort of check who's against the marriage between Ping Cho and that old guy and everyone's like all of us (laughs) (laughs) all of you I'm now furious with you all (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was just Susan but you all think it's wrong well I'm really angry now (laughs) and I thought that was funny yeah Um, I was really confused at this point because I wasn't following the fact that the Khan's summer palace was at Shang Tu, that they weren't all going to Peking, they were going to Shang Tu, <laughs> and when they got to Shang Tu, I thought they were at Peking, but they're not. They were at Shang Tu because that's where the summer palace was, and I was confused that he usually resides in Peking, but we meet him first at Shang Tu. Very confused. Yeah, I didn't that. get that at all. Okay, good. So we meet, we get to all the stuff going on at back at wherever it was, Shang Ting, I'm going to say, yeah. but. And Ian follows Ping Cho and there's stuff with the there's monkey poo everywhere. Again, it mm. smells terrible. Yeah. But at the Summer Palace, we get the vizier. The vizier? Yeah. Vizier? vizier? The vizier who demands that they all kowtow and the doctor can't because he's hurt his back. I quite like that. Oh, dear. The whole kowtowing thing, it was just like, it was like kowtow before the ruler of and like, it was like, and then it was like, and other places. <laughs> <laughs> there's a very unfortunate screen grab it's not quite as unfortunate um, telesnap not quite as unfortunate as, as um, Hannah Gordon with the lad yes but everyone's bending over and poor Marco Polo isn't wearing any pants he's just got his tights on <laughs> you oh, don't I see anything see. he's bent quite taut but I I might have zoomed in <laughs> <laughs> dirty <laughs> there was nothing to see, but it was it was mainly of Marco Polo's ass. So Ooh. episode six. <laughs> no, is that what you're gonna post on Twitter? I'm hoping. Uh, Marco Polo's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Marco Polo. Good. Um, but of course, this is the uh, what I love is this saving thing of the fact that the fact that the Doctor is old is going to be really important because. You could see it's quite ageist and it's like, oh, he's just old and he's really slow. But in fact, it's his age which saves the story because it's what him and Mighty Kubla Khan, they bond over the fact that they're both old. I really hated that. It pissed me off. (laughs) I really liked it. It was just like, we've gone through all of this and he's like the Mighty Kubla Khan. And now it's just like, oh, we can just share about our love of chamomile tea and fucking rheumatism. Like, it's just fucking stupid. It was just fucking annoying. Wrong. I like this because it's basically saying, yes, he has been the, the, one of the world's greatest administrators. He's amassed all these things. He's got however many thousands of white stallions. But the point is, he's just old now. But it just means you shouldn't, you shouldn't think less of him just because he's old now. He's achieved so much. So I think you're being ageist, Alex. Always, I've often been. I think you call me ageist probably more than most people. But yeah, I think you're really? right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because 
because I, I, every time I make comments, I generally, I do have a disdain for old people that I can't hide. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's because you suffered when you were at Newport and you had Mum and John having being really old and annoying around you. Or was it not that? Because they weren't that old then, were they or not? Not really. No, I don't know. I think I'm just a grumpy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love how that, there's nothing deeper than you just being grumpy at old people. Yeah, yeah, they should try harder and be less doddery. My, my favourite old people moment ever in my life, and it was just it was it was the most terrifying but most hilarious thing ever, was I was on jury service, and there was we kept being shown this video of where this this terrible. Oh, you remember you talking about this the old women crossing with <laughs> there's an old woman crossing with a with a um, not a Zimmer frame with one of those horrible tartan sort of shopping baskets oh, yeah. on wheels and she would slowly come past the screen and we had to watch it as the jury and every time it was coming I was like no we don't want to watch the evidence again of this, this car box I can't deal with it because every time I watch this I'm literally going to wet myself <laughs> And it got worse. Every and you'd be done for contempt of court if you if anything yes, came out of your mouth. Every, we every time we went into the antechamber, I would tell someone else about this. <laughs> you not seen when the video <laughs> comes past. And by the time it got to like the tenth time we saw the video, we were all our shoulders were like <laughs> shaking us and we could not cope with watching the old woman ever again. And I was like, I think we need to watch the video. And I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 anyway, that's just an old person story. And yeah, it like it. it was good. It was very relevant for the end of Marco Polo. Good. Yeah. Um. So, Ian and Pingcho get the money back from Kuju, and then they are they meet Tigana. Tigana's gone back, and he sees them, and he menaces them with his sword. But he's very, very calm about it. He's like, "I'm just going to murder you so massively." He just says, "Come, come," and he's got his sword, and he's just going to kill them. Yeah. I like the low keyness. Yeah, he's kind of done like, it I'm... at that point. He's like, I'm over being, I'm yeah. over being the kind of behind the scenes bad guy. I'm just going to fucking kill you, you bastards. Yeah. Come. Come. We've arrived at episode seven Thank and Peking. Assassinate look him. how awake Ash- I must have been. Like I did really well. You I did. Got this shit. I think this episode should have been called Hashashin at Peking though. Do you? Yes. Okay. Maybe I've, this is the episode I missed. <laughs> no. No, not because of drugs, just because assassin is the derivation. That's all. Oh, okay. So the doctor wins backgammon. He's won so far thirty-five elephants. Elephants, whatever elephants are. Um, Four thousand white stallions, twenty-five tigers, other things I don't remember. Things. Oh, so that's where the um, elephants come and the paint tin. See, there Obviously. was elephants. No paint tins. He didn't win any paint tins. Um, but then he wins the entire island of Sumatra. No, he suggested. You don't. I'm not giving you the TARDIS, but you can have the entire island of Sumatra. Yeah, which yeah. Makes Sumatra that was kind of funny. It makes Sumatra sound really small. Sumatra is huge. How big is Sumatra? Other it's also questions. it's also the location of all the prison camps in Tenko. That's where oh. they were interned for Sumatra. It's huge. I want you to check how big Sumatra is and marvel. Oh, I wow. would have taken I would have taken Sumatra over the TARDIS at this point. Sumatra is yep. huge. Fifty nine million. What fifty nine million? What? 
Yeah, but it's also lots of jungle as well. So you're getting a lot of land for your money. Okay. Well, 59 million is not bad. It's pretty big. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have it. But I look, like at this point that Khan is already like, I don't even want to see you, Polo. I'm not interested. He kind of, he is a bit rude to him. And Polo's kind of like, well, you know. So Ping Cho's wedding is tomorrow morning. Suddenly she's back very quickly. Mm. Um, and this is where I got confused about the map. Because the map goes up to Shang Tu and then to Peking. I'm like, no, you're at Chengting. You should just go to Peking because it's nearer. I remember saying that to myself. But then Good. it's like, no, because it's because... They're <laughs> not there. Actually, They're in the summer Actually camp. at Shang Tu. And I was like... Why aren't you going to Peking more quickly? I was really confused at that uh, point, and then I suddenly realised, ah, oh, I see, because wow, you're following him there. so specific, isn't it? It is. Um, and this is the point which which the Doctor loses at backgammon and just giggles about the fact that he's fucked. And I'm like, don't laugh again. It's not It's not good. So Tagana's going to discuss the terms of, of the settlement with the no guy. And Khan realises that Tigana has the power of persuasion that's more dangerous than anything else because he's a persuasive guy. And of course he has been. He's persuaded Marco all the way along. That's true, actually, yeah. But then we have the weird little scene where the Empress, who isn't in it very much, I wanted more for the Empress, played by Claire oh, Davenport. She was just, again, so fucking Middle England. <laughs> she, she's she really just was. down the road in fucking Windsor from she, Marco There was one Perlet. point where she kept making noises, like whimpering noises. Now, is she crying or what's going on? And suddenly we find out at the banquet the previous night, which we're not party to, that her husband, her husband-to-be, has died, Ping Cho's husband-to-be, because he's drunk quicksilver and sulphur as a sort of potency potion or something. What a twat. I mean, how do you drink quicksilver and think it's going to be okay? Because <laughs> that's, mer- that's mercury, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Just gonna, oh, I'll just swig this mercury back. I thought I would love to have seen him die, actually. Yeah, and it would have been quite I know it would have been more scenes, but yeah. it would be just like Ping Cho having meet him, meeting him, he's being really he's really old it's, and disgusting. Yes. And and then he's like, oh, it's okay, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would have actually been dramatic. But yeah, to completely have that off, off scene was not fun. Tragedy, my lord. Your beloved husband to be so anxious to be worthy of your love drank a potion of quicksilver and sulphur, the elixir of life and eternal youth. And expired <laughs> Come into my arms, child. Let me share your grief. You're overdoing it, my dear. The child is dry-eyed. Oh, ungrateful wretch. Do not weep for your lost love. My lady, I grieve an old man's death as all would do. But how can I weep for a love I have never known? And then she says, I would like to stay here. I will stay. But... What I don't know is clear. Is it clear that she ends up hooking up with Ling Tao, the, the blonde-haired one? No. Not well, to I me. Think in, the, in the book, I think they get together. And the I think blonde-haired kind of, dude? Yes, I think it's in fact, because they're sat together and it looks like, oh, they're a couple, but it's like, oh, is that really said anywhere? Oh, right in. I don't know whether they are or not. Wow, OK. But I think she ends up with the blonde dude. Yeah. So... Um... Uh, <laughs> So they suddenly realised because this is quite clever, but it was it was very military tactics, and I was kind of like, oh gosh, this is quite good. Was that Tigana was making sure that No Guy's troops were nearby so they could be ready to attack Peking at the point at which he kills Kublai Khan 
so that they can just sweep in and take over. And I thought that was really good military tactics. And, and the Doctor and co realise that, and they're like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Good. Therefore, we know now that Tigan is about to assassinate the Khan and we'll go and stop him. Right. And they run down the corridor quite sweetly. But um, what that made me think of was like when Akamat was murdered by the bamboo, and that was when the bandits ran away because the man was murdered. So the importance of leaders and the fact that that makes a difference to people and whether they're alive or not, rather than other things. Stuff. Stuff. Right. So they need someone to rally parallel. behind, otherwise it doesn't yes. work. Okay. I thought that was all good and true. But then Marco was the most annoying at this point, where he's like, no, lock them up. They've got out of their quarters and, they, and they're bad. And he's like, no, Tagana's going to kill the Khan. I'm like, honestly, you're still clinging to the Tagana thing. But all suddenly yeah. he's like, the, the word, not the worst punishment is to deny sleepovers. Suddenly he's like, let's lock <laughs> them all up. What yeah. the fuck? Suddenly he's got to turn into Stern Daddy. But then Marco finally takes on Tagana and they have the big sword fight. Woo! And this was, this was recorded at Ealing. Because it was a big scene and they needed more oh. space than Studio D. So they recorded this. This was actually the first scenes that Marco and Tagana recorded. Oh, wow. And did they do proper training for the sword fight? I'd like to say yes, because there was there was a stunt arranger. Derek Ware did stunting around oh, this. Oh, nice. Yes. I was quite disappointed there wasn't a telly snap of Tagana impaling himself at the end. No, but it was nice to know he did. <laughs> it was. Yeah. But isn't the ending very quick? Yeah, it really is just like, done it now, we spent too long in the desert, the end. Yeah. Yeah, we'll take the keys, we go. But what I loved was that last scene, which for long a long time Doctor Who fans didn't know, but it was actually the shot of um, the travellers in the TARDIS and the starscape around them and, and Marco saying, but what is the truth? I wonder where they are now, the past or the future. I thought that was a lovely ending. Yeah, that is loved quite nice. It. Mm. Yes. But what is the truth? I wonder where they are now. The past or the future? So, we have reached the end of Marco Polo. <laughs> Thoughts? Comments? Uh, um, it was nice to watch it. It was nice to to go there do that um it it was it was really english in a way that i i'm never usually offended by but the englishness of it really took me away like that oh, really? marco polo himself the bloody kubla khan's wife and all the rest like just so freaking english like there just wasn't even a hint of anything slightly foreign in them obviously ping cho thank fuck that they found someone who spoke the queen's english but looked slightly oriental but christ i know um, that was a saving grace that they got her they actually employed someone who was vaguely from that region she was actually from burma i know that sweetie i looked present up day, all about present, her present day Myanmar, sweetie yes i yes. know um yeah so she was but... a nun in she was a nun in tenko as well just was she oh uh, yeah no i it was too long I think I, it would probably be one I'd really enjoy watching again if it was four episodes. Um, but there was a lot of time when nothing happened. Like, fully nothing. And I know you'll disagree. <laughs> but, like, nothing. Um, I, just, yeah. I just felt like I was just happy to see whatever happened. I was just happy to go on that journey with the caravan and just see what happened. I just loved 
the feeling of that and them arriving at different way stations, even though all the way stations would have looked the same. But but I think the only thing that really irritated me was Marco not believing them. I, I, I get... That's why I stopped watching soaps, was people not believing other people. Yeah, they, the whole kind I, of... I can't be doing with that. That's yeah. why Lock and Key is re- was really annoying me. Thankfully, it was only for one or two episodes where they didn't realise that Bodhi was um, dodged Bodhi. in Series 4. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, um, yes. but, but now... Yeah, I, I just really struggled with that aspect of it. Because it was obvious that Tigana was a bad hat. Yes. But, but other than that... I just got so many cosy feels from it. It was the scale of it. It was the map. It was the narration. It was the fact that it was proper historical. The the guys at the All of Time and Space podcast said it was the first relatable historical. Um, I was listening to their pod on it, and that was the main thing I got from it. I thought that's true. It's it's very relatable because this is because the cavemen is the first historical story, but that's not relatable because they're just going ugh. Yeah, and they're not very like us. There's elements, but I thought this was. Yeah, the first proper historical, and I Red just love how they went with it. Really relatable. That's how I feel yeah, but that all was, the time. Yeah, but that was later. That was oh, was it? Oh, okay. Oh, so they just mean okay, right? Very early on is what they mean. I've got a Fair. question for you that's very important. Yes. So this was seven episodes. Uh huh. Two stories before you've got the seven episodes of the Daleks. Oh yeah. Now what happens in terms of Doctor Who history and what they go with? They're probably thinking, well, we had the Dalek story. That got really good viewing figures. Marco Polo had really good viewing figures. And it was 10.4 million it ended on. It actually grew by the end. So mm-hmm. loads of people were watching it. Um, but the Daleks had, obviously had good viewing figures as well. So you're comparing seven episodes with seven episodes. Hard sci-fi. Hard historical. Proper hard historical. Yeah. And they have to make a decision at this point, which way do we go? And for, I think for two years they hedge their bets. They do mm. sci-fi and historical, and it isn't until the Highlanders that, that they get rid of the historical. But if you're in that position, would you hedge your bets as well? And I just yes. think it's an interesting point. Uh, I, I really like the mix. I think the 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 kind of the flip flop between the two is is really enjoyable because then you get different things from it. I, I I would I would hate for it to be obviously purely historical because the sci-fi bits do make me smile, but. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think it was a real shame to to stop on the historical. So yeah, I'd keep going in that vein for a long time because there's a there is a, a cuteness to it, and it does kind of it breaks it up. I always like contrast. So yeah, no, I prefer that. And one thing also I wanted to share was that John Crockett, who only directed episode four, The Wall of Lies, he was so enjoyed doing that one episode that he sent a, a memo. To David Whitaker, the screen editor. I will say Mimo. I know it's Memo. No, um, it was. Do you know that was what Rafe used to oh, say? Uh, no, it's it also it um, the governor. The governor from um, Prison Cell Block H. Ah. She used to call it a Mimo as well. Erica. Erica Davidson. So, Garth to Corsi Island that Mum used to work Did he? with used to say Mimo. Yeah. Mimo. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. Anyway, on Wednesday, twenty sixth February, he suggested other historical serials to David Whitaker on the basis of having directed Marco Polo. He said, we could do one about the Peasants' Revolt, Viking raids in Britain, the Time Meddler, Bonnie Prince Charlie, thanks for that. Bonnie Prince Charlie, the Highlanders, Francis Drake and the Armada, the colonisation undertaken by Sir Walter Raleigh, the days of the Globe Theatre, that's a long time before that happened. Yeah, that gets taken up in a much later story. An Australian convict settlement, the Romans in Britain, Nice. Richard the First, Richard the First at the Crusades, which we get, 
The Downfall of Akhenaten. That would have been brilliant. You would have oh, loved that one, yeah. The Medicis of Florence. No, I'll let, oh, I'll that the next happens one. as well. Well, no, Catherine de Medici, that's a different Medici. That's oh, Massacre. The Medicis in Italy are different. I like the next one. Covered Wagons. That's not an historical episode. That's <laughs> the age of covered wagons. Yes. What? <laughs> 18th, 19th century Cornish smugglers, which we do get. Oh. And uh, smugglers and wreckers. And Bodicea. It doesn't say oh. Bodicea over, overall, unfortunately. <laughs> but but he, in that, that, one, so he, in yeah. that one memo, Mimo, he, he gets... He suggests the Time Meddler, the Highlanders... Um, the Crusade and the Smugglers. Yeah, and, and a version of the Romans that were obviously slightly well. different, but still. But I was like, wow, that, yeah, that Mimo that, was quite that, important. It, was, it really was quite pivotal, yeah. <laughs> Is that the most important... What did that guy say again? I must go back to that letter. <laughs> yeah. just... I think okay. that might be the most important Mimo in all of Doctor Who. <laughs> you might be right. Because I think John yes. Crockett's an unsung hero in that sense. He's yes, very... maybe we need to... Yeah, maybe this is the purpose of this too. whole episode is to... Exalt that guy. John Crockett. John yes. Crockett. Him. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Dude. So. Yes. We have reached, we have definitely reached the point where we need to talk about TARDISes out of 10. Yes. Oh, God. Oh. It's hard. I, I don't want to do it, Dan, because it's of an era and there was positives, but it was a struggle. Um, the, oh, can I ask you, did you watch it all in one sitting? Yeah. Oh my Jesus Christ, you're not meant to do that. <laughs> I um, told you to watch it in two nights. I was like, honestly, yeah, no. how? I couldn't have watched it. I did it in three sittings. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no. I did, I, did, I did one and two, and then I did three to five, and then I did six to seven, and that way it was really bite-sized and nice. Right, so one to five, I was fairly engaged. I thought six to seven, I was like, God. So yeah, maybe well, no wonder you must have been then. exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, remember it was, was... transmitted weekly. Yeah, I know. Actually, that, that, actually, I did make a note about that at some point. I was just like, God, if I had to watch this weekly, and like I just watched episode two, I'd be fucking furious. I'd be like, someone just moved across the desert and did nothing, and then you'd just be like, Oh my God, I got to wait another fucking week until the next shit happens. I'd be furious. Yeah, yeah. No, I was really thinking about how people used to watch things weekly. I did feel for them. Um, Yes. Uh, First is at a ten. I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm awake. Um, Oh. I'm going to say... Five. Five? So rude. It's nearly six, but no. Okay, I'm saying nine, because I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it's one of the best historicals. Wow. One of the best Hartnells, definitely. It's not as good as Myth Makers, which I give a ten to. But right. it is really, really good, and I love it. It makes me feel cosy, and I just love the the costumes, the design. I think the script is gorgeous in places. There's so many nice moments between the characters. The script was a lot better than a lot of the yeah other Hartnell mm. ones. It yeah. was. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that has been our fiftieth episode. Can you believe? Woo! Winners. Slight, slightly longer than usual. Eat. <laughs> <laughs> 
you lucky people. <laughs> Maybe they should listen to this podcast like like um, Marco Polo and do it in sections. <laughs> yeah. Give yourself three sessions, you might get through yeah, it. Yeah, three sessions, you might get through it. Yeah. <laughs> so all that remains for us to do is to say thank you for continuing to listen to World Enough and Time. Yeah. We're very Mental. pleased that you do. Much More appreciated. More listen than we, we can imagine or picture or know. And I just love the fact that you listen to us being silly. Because we mm. only did it really to, to talk to each other. That was the plan. So we could have a bit of fun. In now we barely, off. we don't even like each other. We do it for the fans now. We actually oh. fucking hate each other. Just the fans. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Before we go though, don't we have to choose the next episode? Yeah. Yeah, we do. This is my favourite yeah. bit because I'm better at the randomizer.net than you are. Oh, I've got a story that's, that's the one we've not done. Oh, exciting. Okay. It's also seven episodes. <laughs> oh, God, what could it be? It is Inferno. Okay, no, I could definitely give that a crack. Yes. But yeah, I do need to um, yeah, watch it in, in sittings. Yeah. Yes, sitting. But it all exists and it's in colour, sweetie. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. And we see So Oh, we get we could have done Courtney or Courtney more for that one. Goodness. Oh, that would have been a good thing. Yeah. Yes. So can you do a sign off, please? <gasps> see ya. <laughs> Sorry, no. no more than that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our fiftieth episode. We love you. Bye. And more sincerity, please. <laughs> <laughs> No! <laughs> That's how I do it. With the lack of sincerity. She loves you really. She just can't say it because she's broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the trauma speaking, sweetie. It's the trauma. I know. Um, I've really enjoyed going back to Marco Polo. And I enjoyed looking back at the rest of our episodes. And it made me think, I want to listen to some more episodes again. Is that too much like... I don't know, but too much like, aren't we great? It probably is a bit, but That's I That's what really I do all the time. It's, it's it's so good for your ego, honestly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll go back to that one. That makes me smile. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably, you know how the ratings have been creeping up? It's probably just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There have been a lot more listens lately. I think it's just you going back. <laughs> Skewing yes. it all. Anyway, thank you to all those people who made comments and were nice to us. We will be back soon with our 51st episode on Inferno. Until then... Bye. Bye-bye. Cause a night has a thousand eyes And a thousand eyes can't help but see If you are true to Thousand.